Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast that is dedicated to covering every single horror movie franchise, one movie in one episode at a time. Uh, I am Mike Snoonian, joined once again by my fantastic co-host, Jerry Smith. How are we doing tonight? Well, I ate my neighbor, and uh, mm-hmm. now I'm just- I'm uh, doing great. Cannibalism doing is great. good, sure. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like we've we've done like last week's episode and this week's episode, and that I'm figuring like by week four, week five of this whole pandemic thing, it's going to be like you know like w- what have you seen today? Like I don't know, but I've eaten so many people. I know it's. Well, where would you get them at this point? Everybody's locked up. Yeah, I, you know? obviously on on LSD. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's crazy. It is. It's bananas out there right now. So, but we are recording our fiftieth episode tonight, which is I did not think we would make it this far, but here we are, at this point. So, episode number fifty, and we thought we would do something a little bit different, and we would take a break from covering franchises, and we will. Um, we're going to do a little fan commentary tonight. And fan commentary might be a little bit too strong a word, <laughs> given my pathological hatred of the movie that we're going to talk about tonight. We're talking about 2018's action uh, action horror movie, Mandy. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited. So we're going to be doing a little watch along here on Shudder. Um, and debating the merits of this movie back and forth. Um, but before we do that, you know, I thought we would maybe check in with a little with one another a little bit, see what we're watching, how we're kind of handling this whole, uh, in your case, you know, shelter in place. And in our case, just still Massachusetts right now is still just social distancing. Uh, Governor Baker has said he has no plans at this time for shelter in place but i do not see how that's going to remain a possibility going forward because the cases keep kind of cropping up here um i don't see how that's going to be able to continue but how are you holding up right now i'm going crazy to be honest like Mm -hmm. it's it's such a weird existence i mean yeah like you said uh i kind of have like my city has kind of like a lockdown in fact all of california does you know unless you're going to get essential stuff you have to stay home uh, which I mean isn't that big of a deal to me, I guess, because I'm a, a kind of a homebody. But with that being said, like I love to go to like Best Buy and you know play the Nintendo for 15 minutes, leave pictures on tablets, mm-hmm. and you know fuck with everything for <laughs> half an hour or just to pass time. So like I'm going crazy right now. I mean, it's different when you choose to stay home for a couple days in a row. Versus like you're forced to like the yeah, it's been the choice has been kind of removed from you at this point. So you're just kind of doing what you're told to at this point Um, because you work out of home, correct? Yeah, yeah, I do. So, I mean, that's great. But at the same time, like I've I found I can't even talk. I found it so hard lately to like get anything done because it's just like it's not motivation is lost. It's just the fact that like. I just feel so confused and disoriented mm-hmm. by this whole thing that and like, I, like I've kind of lost track of days here and there. Like I thought it was on Thursday. I thought it was Friday and on Sun at Saturday, I thought it was like Monday or something. Like it's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of that going around where people who are like, Oh, I'm going to use this opportunity to, you know, write the next great American novel or, you know, take on this like new project yeah. are, 
by and large, like, are like, I'm going to try to get motivated to get out of bed. Um, I know on Monday for us, like, I took this list of little home projects that I had been kind of putting off and putting off. And then by noon on Monday, they were pretty much all finished. That's awesome. I'm like, shit. You know what? Kind of, but now it's like, now what do I do? And then I'm like, oh, I've been, you know, slowly working on a book for like a year now. Maybe I'll work harder on it. And that has not happened. Um, I've written a couple pieces and sent out a couple pitches to a site that um, they have not contacted me back yet. Um, You know what? That same site hasn't contacted me back yet either. So I I think maybe it's just. I'm going to send a little bit of a nudge over there and maybe just like include the article in there because it's pretty good. Yeah. It's about, you know, I kind of wrote about why I think, you know, Malcolm McDowell's portrayal of Sam Loomis is pretty great in the first Rob Ooh, Zombie Halloween movie. I'd like to read that. Um, you know, and how it like re, how it um, reflects the reality as a mental health counselor when you cannot reach a client. Um, how much you really kind of internalize that and play it over in your head. So we'll see. Um, but I've, yeah, uh, I, uh, um, what's weird is like at the beginning of this whole thing, before it got super out of hand, I, you know, I was kind of doing the social distancing thing already. And I was, you know, I've always been a musician like my entire life, mm-hmm. you know, like I learned piano first and guitar bass and all that stuff. Like I've always been in bands my entire life, but like, mm-hmm. And there's obviously no scene in, in, you know, in this pandemic. So I've just been starting like making music from home and it led to like basically doing a full on like instrumental album that like I'm like halfway done with already. Yeah, it's it's, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I released on Twitter. uh, I released the first two songs today in case anybody wanted to hear them. So that's I mean, definitely put the link to that in the show notes. I saw you had been posting that a little while ago. So we'll definitely I think put the links to that in the show notes. It just feels um, like mm-hmm. be creative some in some regard because like as far as mm-hmm. writing, I mean, I kind of pride myself on writing a lot, you know, and like, dude, I don't think I've I think I've maybe written one or two small pieces in this whole time that mm-hmm. this whole thing going going on. It's 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 paralyzing. I think it's just really hard to get stuff done because of the uncertainty right now. I think that no one really knows what's going on. There are no real answers, and there's so much contradictory information that comes out. And it's not one of those things. I mean, look, I'm not laying the blame on anyone in terms of, like, not knowing what's going on because it's a virus. It's not something where you can put, like, a real – you can't put a a completely accurate time frame on it. So we're all kind of going through this a little bit blindly right now. But I know for us, like, we – schools in Massachusetts are allegedly closed until April 7th. Um, we are one week through that. We have two weeks off left. So hoping to put a little bit more structure in place to Ooh. work on some so, creative things. So potentially you have two weeks at this point? Yeah. Is that where two you Two more there? weeks and then we go back. But I, yeah, I'm like, having a hard time foreseeing a scenario where from we go what, back. Uh, from what I've read and what from my kids' schools have told me, my kids probably won't go back to school until after summer. Yeah. So that wouldn't shock me. That would not shock me right now if that's what ends up happening. Yeah. And what stinks for me, like I know you mostly work out of home. Like I work in a public school setting and 
Um, I wore, there's 1,100 kids in our school. There are K through eight. I'm one of the counselors there. And, you know, we all complain about our jobs from time to time. I, by and large, like really love what I do. You know, and my day usually starts like I get there at about five minutes of eight. By eight o'clock, there's usually like three or four kids outside of my door that just want to come and check in for a few minutes. Um, see how things are going. Maybe they had a rough morning or maybe they just want to kind of like check in and shoot the shit for a little bit. And you kind of miss that. You know, I miss kind of like popping in into different rooms and like checking on the kids or saying hi to some of the teachers that I'm friends with, including one that like listens to our show. Hey, Miss Wallace, hope you're enjoying this one. Um, you know, I miss like having the kids come in and like doing stuff with them. You know, like playing a game of Uno and like talking about how their day is going or like busting their balls because we've had the same conversation about them, like not being able to shut up in class, you know, and then getting sent out Um, after a while. You miss that. So, like, I am like seeing at at a minimum twelve hundred less people a day right now. And then for counseling, um, I've switched to like remote counseling. I'm not. um I'm not working with anybody in terms of um, going like into the counseling center to see them. So it's all it's all like over the phone or over this thing called telehealth, which is a secure way of doing Skype. So it's been it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've been like freaking out like in so on so many different levels. I mean, not just I mean, not freaking out like, you know, I'm Jack Torrance, but like you know, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my family, you know, and then I'm worried about my immediate family, you know, that I don't talk to very often, you know, uh, I'm worried about so many things. My oldest, my oldest, uh, just turned 18 this week mm-hmm. and I haven't talked to them in like three years because of stuff. And it's like, I'm just like biting my nails wondering if, you know, if my kid's okay right. or, or not even that just people I don't know, like, earlier this week before the whole lockdown thing, uh, we got the essentials and then we quickly went to Taco Bell just to pick something up really quick. And there was this man that was just like crying outside Mm -hmm. this homeless man, you know, probably like scared to death, you know? And I I bought him a meal. I gave it to him, you know, told him, you know, hang in there. And then like, for some reason, I mean, maybe it's just like empathy, but like, I haven't stopped thinking about this guy the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like we're in lockdown. It's like, did this guy eat since then? You know, is he okay? And that led me to think of all these people. It's like, you know, I'm freaking out, but at the same time I have a roof over my head. You know, we, we do have food. You know what I mean? Like there's all these people that, you know, are kind of like in harm, potentially mm-hmm. in harm. And like, you know, it adds so much more stress because I mean, you know, it's, it's impossible not to care about people. It is. It's really hard. And I think like a lot of people are going to show their character over the next few weeks. You know, what kind of person they are, what their values are, what they believe in. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that. I know for one, like I am pretty grateful. My daughter turns 10 this year and um, I'm like grateful to kind of have this time to kind of hang out with both her and my wife, like in the house, just the two of us. Like it's not always perfect. I know like there's been some nights where I've been like just grumpy as hell, but I mean, who can help it? But we've yeah. been able to do things like we'll go 
into the yard and just like throw the Nerf ball around. We've gone like our dog has had more hikes and more walks um, than she's ever had in her life at this point. Like we went on like an hour long hike through the Blue Hills in Massachusetts today, like a really nice nature trails with our dog um, today. Like she's doing all sorts of these like craft projects. She's helping cook dinner. Um, earlier tonight, her and I, like, you know, we're going to be playing and you're in on this. We're playing that RPG monster of the week tomorrow online with a bunch of friends on Skype. And she's helping me put like the game together. And she's like, well, there's going to be an old man who lives in the town and you have to take his dog for a walk. I'm like, okay, how does that, how does that relate to like the game though? Like, why do we have to take the dog? He's like, well, cause it's just like a really cool dog. And the old man wants you to take him for a walk. I'm like, okay, we'll work that in. That I want to go on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be forewarned that, you know, dog walking is going to be part of the uh, RPG. Um, but we're just, you know, I, I, you know, like I'm a pretty, so I, and the other thing I've been doing is I've been watching all these like old YouTube videos of like basement shows that I was either at or bands that I followed. And I'm like, I have not been to a basement show probably in a few years. Um, all I know is when this thing is over, I am going to so many fucking basement shows at this point. Right. I've, I've had that exact thought. It's so funny. Yeah, it's yeah. like I'm getting back yeah. involved in that scene. Yeah. Did you ever uh, get into Boy Sets Fire? I did not. I remember they were a thing in like the early to mid 90s. I think like I remember they were known for like their singer would like turn his back to the crowd and just kind of like squat down when he would sing. Um, but they were they were more n- like new hardcore for my taste. Mm-hmm. Man, man, I liked them. Oh, okay. No, I, 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 tell I, me I, why I, you like it. I'm not saying you can't. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, you're wrong. No, no. I, I, for some reason, we were talking about shows, and I remember seeing them in like a, a little basement mm-hmm. in Bakersfield once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I was watching. Oh, there's Iron Sheik at that little basement in Alston we used to always go to. And there's yeah. me in that crowd. Um, what's, what's crazy is I, I read yesterday that they're – closing slims in san francisco which is mm-hmm. such an iconic little dive bar venue mm-hmm. like i went to so many shows you know growing up especially as a teenager there and it's just yeah. like it sucks to see all these great places that you saw all these like hardcore and punk shows closed down is is gilman street still around you know i i, I haven't been to frisco or mm-hmm. san fran or whatever the hipsters want to call it these days i haven't been in a while i'm not sure uh, yeah. most, I, you know, Gil, I always just went to slams. Mm-hmm. That was always just like kind of my thing. Yeah. So before yeah. we get into Mandy, let's talk about some other stuff we are watching right now. Like what has been keeping you occupied? I know you had like a night where you were just like catching up and work and doing screeners. Yeah. See, that was the, in, that was the intention. Okay. <laughs> I've had so many Nights where, like, we'll plan specific things, and for some mm-hmm. reason, I'll just sit on the couch and be like, man, I really can't get up right now. Uh, no, uh, we, we were going to have a double feature of After Midnight and VFW. I hadn't seen VFW and After Midnight. I saw it last year when it was called Something Else during the festival mm-hmm. run, and God, I love that movie. And I knew my wife would love it, so I showed it to her. Uh, that uh, Mostly, I've been, like, revisiting movies that just make me feel good as like a way to mm-hmm. combat like you know what i mean like 
like I want to discover new movies, but at the same time, like if like I'm I put in the fog because there's no there's not a single situation where I can't just smile right. while watching that. It's one of the few movies I'd consider perfect. Uh, that and like a couple nights ago, I was telling my wife, you know, like, hey, do you want to break out of the like the horror thing for the night? Like, let's watch something kind of funny. And you know, the jerk wasn't on any streaming platform, and mm-hmm. I own it. She was my first pick because uh, she hadn't seen it. And I was like, okay, what's another comedy movie that I grew up loving that she hadn't seen? So I put on the first Naked Gun. God damn, man. Like, that is still, to this day, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Like, it added so much, just, like, so many laughs that I needed that night. It was great. Oh, The Naked Gun completely holds up. Yeah, I mean, O.J. Simpson aside, like, it is so, it is so good. (laughs) The beginning part, like, not just O.J. getting shot a bunch, which is great to see now, but when he's in the hospital and Leslie Nielsen's Frank Drebin character goes up to him and he's, and... OJ Simpson's character is trying to give him all these hints to like why he mm-hmm. got shot. He's like, the boat's name, I love you. So he goes, I love you. I love you. And then Frank's like, oh, I love oh. you too. And the yeah. he goes, heroin, heroin. And he goes, well, oh, that's a tall order, but give me a few days. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> oh, my God, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what about you? So I, uh, we've, we've been going through Lock and Key like one episode a oh, week. Yeah. We kind of like, gone off of binge watching shows and are getting more into like kind of slowly taking our time to go through it and enjoying it a bit more. So there's two things on two things on Netflix that we've really dug. And that is like lock and key, which is um, kind of horror light at this point. Um, it's more, you know, teen drama than real horror at this point, uh, but it's been really enjoyable. And then um, I Am Not Okay With This, which is the new oh. kind of superhero Orin show starring, you know, Beverly and Stan from uh, the It franchise. Um, and it's been like a lot, a couple episodes in, and it's like kind of teen angsty overall, but it's a lot of fun. Like, so so far, How like, great is he in that show? Like, everyone is, but like the kid that plays Stan, Wyatt Olaf, in this, like his performance, especially, like, oh my God, it's so funny. Yeah, it's a blast to watch. I mean, he's just like this really positive energy to the yeah. So, really digging that so far. And then, um, did the Invisible Man last night, and Ooh. that was fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, really like this idea of like new release movies being available to rent for. I mean, twenty bucks to me is pretty reasonable for like a movie that's still in theaters. Um, yeah. And I've got like a really nice, um, like kind of thrown together projection system in the basement. So to me, it looks great. Um, I am totally okay with spending a few bucks and doing that. And that movie was pretty close to perfect. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. Great. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm curious about the, uh, there's an ongoing joke with the, like the new release, like the, instead of the theatrical things going VOD, uh, I've been joking about it even before it was announced that, man, I just, I've, I just, I'm never going to get to see Ben Affleck get a second, chance you know that's a basketball movie i think that's gonna happen now though yeah 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 see i can't make that joke anymore because it was announced that was going to come i think at the end of the month too so and i know that like onward yeah onward is out right now but they're good that's going to be on disney plus in two weeks so yeah for that um i think sonic is coming out next month Sonic is coming out pretty early it's going to be interesting to see if like 
if it does well enough, the studios are just like, screw it, we'll just release everything, or release like some of these, you know, mid-level pictures like VOD at that point. Uh, so we'll see what happens, or you just see this like very short window where after like three or four weeks, a movie leaves a theater, and a week later, it shows up on VOD for like a little bit of extra money. Um, but to me, like this movie was close to perfect overall. Um, Moss nails what I see a lot. And like Elizabeth Moss in this movie, um, she kind of nails what I see in counseling with a lot of my clients. Like I have worked with a number of young, young and older women that have been through the ringer, whether it's physically, emotionally, psychologically, and kind of working through their trauma with them. And she really nails this tiredness of just being exhausted because nobody believes you. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah, and you just see it like in, in the way this film just uses like empty space in the frame too, where everything just seems everything that's innocuous just seems so dangerous. And there's never yeah. you're never comfortable watching that movie. And I think it really kind of nails what a lot of victims go through where they never feel comfortable. There's actually a line in the movie where Moss's character says this is what he does. He makes me think I'm the crazy one. And it's literally what a client said to me in counseling, like a couple weeks ago. Um, totally. And it, I, I think Lee Winnell has such a good knack for, uh, camera work. Mm-hmm. Like the camera is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, especially the hospital scenes, I think, yeah. uh, you know, that, and like what he, did with upgrade I, I it was interesting because yesterday lee winnell posted kind of some early script notes when he was just brainstorming it mm-hmm. and at first the story was going to be that adrian was kind of pissed that she moved on and got a new boyfriend and i'm mm-hmm. really so fucking glad that that didn't go into the story because i think just having moss's character on her own i think was mm-hmm. such a good touch i do too yeah absolutely would agree with that so um so the other thing I want, just before we get into Mandy here, why don't we spitball some ideas? Because I think right now, like, you're super cooped up. I, you know, we're all cooped up right now. We're all going a little crazy. I think we're all, even though a lot of us or a lot of people live, quote, unquote, very online lives right now, um, I think it shows just how much we miss kind of human contact and being around other people and what kind of role that plays with us in our life. Um So what are some things – I know tomorrow we're going to be – I want to do more virtual get-togethers with people through this right now. So one of the ideas I had is we're going to be doing um, online RPGs. Like tomorrow, Jerry, myself, and a few other friends are going to be playing like on Skype. We're going to be doing Monster of the Week, which is a super easy-to-play RPG, like literally all you need is a pair of um, six-sided dice, and you can just download a pair of dice for a, on your app. And it's really, really easy to play this game. It's basically all conversations. Um, it's not nearly as intensive as like a Dungeons & Dragons is, as, as cool as D&D is. Um, I signed up for PlayStation Plus, so I would love to get together with some of our listeners and do some like Friday the 13th sessions online where we can all chat with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I came across and I thought was such a good idea is Mike Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm sure all of you guys know him because who doesn't know Mike Vanderbilt? 
had this kind of like virtual bar thing set up mm-hmm. at his house. And it was basically just a video of him just shooting the shit with a friend over drinks. Yeah. <laughs> like he slept yep. it screaming. And like, I thought something like that would be cool. Like I don't drink. Uh, but I mean, as just as far as like, almost like having people, you know, like you go to the movies and then afterwards, you know, like a circle of you just get up outside mm-hmm. and just talk about movies. You know what I mean? Like I thought something like that, you know, just kind of having like a virtual, just, I don't know, just like hangout session with like listeners and stuff would be kind of yeah. cool. I would a hundred percent be up for that. You know, Vanderbilt said some other cool things too. Like he was reading some nightmare and Elm street novels online and broadcasting that, um, doing like a, his own commentary for once upon a time in Hollywood. I would like to give a shout out right now. Like right now, like he's a bartender, um, for the rock Island public house, uh, over in Chicago. They're obviously closed down. I think right now they're doing some deliveries for people, but it's not quite, you know, the same thing. So they have a GoFundMe. If you go to uh, GoFundMe.com and search out Rock Island Public House or just go to Vanderbilt's Twitter, um, there's a link for it on there. Um, or at the R-I-P-H, there's a link for it right there. They're trying to raise about nine grand so that their uh, wait staff, bartenders, and employees can actually survive, you know, eat, pay rent, pay bills. So they've raised a little bit more than a third of their $9,000 goal. Um, if you have a few bucks, go ahead, kick into them. You know, Mike is an awesome dude. He's um, been on our show before and we want to have him on again. He's one of the co-hosts for Halloweenies, uh, which is a, just love that podcast. Their Friday the 13th episode was almost as good as our Friday the 13th part <laughs> one episode, but it was really good. I love what they do in that show. Oh, they're great. Yeah. Just kidding. There's no competition here. Um, so, um, but yeah, so we want to do and listeners like, let us know, like, what can we do? You know, and there's, there's no Patreon for us. There's no, you know, like it's a tier level thing. Like we just kind of want to give back to the community of people that we kind of get to know and love and do some fun shit overall while we're all going stir crazy. Yeah. Even if it's like a retweet or something, if you have like a GoFundMe or something to help you mm-hmm. get through these times, let us know and we'll retweet it. We'll do mm-hmm. you know anything we can. You know. Also, I mean, there's a lot of mom and pop stores that are like definitely going through the ringer mm-hmm. now because of this. Even if they don't have a GoFundMe, if you guys can buy online, you know, do any of that stuff. Dark Delicacies and Burbank has kept so many of us horror fans in like the LA and the California mm-hmm. area. I mean, they've been a sanctuary to so many of us. I mean, signings every week. You know, I've signed there four times. You know, like I've went to signings throughout my entire adult life there. You know, dark com. Buy something online. Support local businesses. Keep them afloat during this time because, I mean, they, they do the same to us when we need stuff. Right. Absolutely. So at this point, we're going to ask friends to go to shutter.com. Or if you have the Blu-ray of Mandy, or if you own it digitally, go ahead. And why don't we um, give folks a moment to do that right now? And Jerry, what is it about this movie you love so much in like 30 seconds or less? Well, fuck, 30 seconds or less. Really quickly, when he was planning this movie, Panos Cosmatos thought back to this end's first movie. When he's planning, he thought back to being a kid, seeing all these video covers of movies that he was too young to watch. 
and imagining the movies that those would be. And this is the kind of movie, this is the movie in his head that were so many of those video covers, just the art, what it invokes, what you want in a movie. You know, this is a nightmarish, hellish roller coaster of a movie, and I love it so fucking much. Mm-hmm. And Mike's like, and no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've never actually sat down to literally watch Grass Grow. <laughs> but this is pretty much what I imagine it would be like. The first oh, hour, my. hour and like 20 minutes of this movie is like watching grass grow. Um, so it'll be, and so right now, if you're, we are at shutter.com. Jerry, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. So I am going to hit play. Let's count down together, okay? Yeah, are we hitting three. on three? We're going to hit it on, on one, we're going to hit it. You ready? Okay. Yes. Three, two, one. All right. So the first thing that's up right now, it's a quick little teaser for Shudder. Um, as much as I hate this movie, I love Shudder. Um, it's easily the best six bucks a month. I think you're going to spend in a dream- streaming service if you're a horror fan, not only because of the depth of their catalog overall uh, for classic movies, but they are bringing in so many um, new classic horror movies like revenge like me um bliss is now up there so by all means go to shutter.com right now there is a 30-day free trial called shutter shut in and you'll get a month free from them okay, we don't where is it for screen really quick it says make xyz sure I'm films right now and now it's uh something else so Piccadilly? I, Piccadilly Pictures, yeah. All right, so we are one minute cool. in to our commentary of Mandy. All right. <laughs> this should be interesting right here. See, to me, what I don't like about this movie is it's basically a film Twitter, like it's it's a film Twitter, like Bukaki, basically. <laughs> like everybody on film Twitter. Thing, and I think maybe what it is, I feel like I was sold a bill of goods. Like, if I went into this movie blind, maybe I would appreciate it more or at least, like, just turn it off and go about my day. Um, there's the Spectre Vision logo. What do we think of Elijah Wood and Spectre Vision? I love what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah, like, those guys are, like, giving, like, it, and I hate to use the word auteur because it's so, like, you know, film, film school nerd kind of thing. But, like, very much mm-hmm. so. They're giving, like auteur filmmaking a, a, like a second life i think with all the movies they put out gonna jump in here's a little pretentious quote when i die <laughs> bury me deep lay two speakers at my feet wrap some headphones around what would you wrap headphones like around your dick come on and rock and roll me when i'm dead oh my god so fucking pretentious oh, all right sorry <laughs> just it's not even like we haven't even seen a frame of film and we're we're you're already out I, I love what Spectre Vision is doing. With, I mean, having all that Frodo money and that Lord of the Rings money, and you're making these like weirdo horror movies. It to me is it's perfect. It's it's as that, much like, as I don't like this movie. Like, I love what Spectre Vision is doing. What movie are you gonna get that starts with a King Crimson song? I mean, goddamn, you know, Not I a good one. Love it. Not a good one. <laughs> I feel like we're like going to end up being like the older Muppets and, uh, you know, like the Muppet show. Statler and Waldorf. One of them was half bad. It's not half good either. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, it's... Uh, well, here, I, I think I put in my notes here, like, you have some long shots right now of trees. Like, basically, right now, you have what seems like a, a feature-length opening sequence of treetops right now. This is the beginning of the Friday 13th remake. That just the, the same. And I know it's meant to, like, depict just how isolated that the characters are, how far away from civil, civilization they are, but not really because Mandy works with the local gas and sip. So they're Jesus. not that isolated. There's, like, roads everywhere. You know, there's like, so there's like no purpose to this whole opening. Like, like Nick Cage is in a moment is going to get a spoiler alert. He's going to ride a helicopter. I mean, I think it is pretty badass that he rides a helicopter to and from work every day. Like that's actually actually pretty cool. Um, But it doesn't play into anything else. You do, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's showing his life, you know, he's, he's a vet that went, through some hardcore stuff and he's a logger now kind of like dexter in that final episode (laughs) you know like it's just establishing how just boring and mundane and just day-to-day his life is he gets to play with a chainsaw every day though and i don't know if that's boring (laughs) look at the way he walks away from it like he's just so Mm -hmm. over it yeah oh man nick cage What's funny is... Uh, do you think Nick Cage would do these movies if he didn't buy, like, 50 castles and lose all his money? Yes. This one, yes. Uh, the, the million and five ones that have him running on the cover? No. Uh, no, but what's funny is, I don't know if a lot of uh, listeners know this, but originally, Panos Cosmatos, the director, wanted Nicolas Cage to play the Jeremiah Sands character. Mm-hmm. You know, the the cult leader. They He wanted Nick. Nicholas Cage to play him, but Nick Cage didn't want to play him. You know, he wanted to play Red, and so they didn't make the movie for a few years based on that. And then he came back and decided to play Red instead. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine the movie if Cage played the main bad guy? Oh God, it would be it would be insufferable. It would be even more insufferable than this already is. Like at least you get an hour of like some subdued. So here's Mandy smoking up right now. So you know, basically. And this takes place, and, and she's like painting her heavy metal covers. And it's, if this movie, I'll say this: if if this, if you removed all the dialogue from as little dialogue as there is, if you removed all the dialogue from it, and it was just a documentary about like seventies and eighties metal covers that Nick Cage narrated, I would be at five stars. I'd be into it at that point. What do you think about the score? It's it's boring. It doesn't do anything for me. It is so. I I love it because Mm -hmm. Johan Johansson, the the composer. I love it. It's kind of just ambient thing, and then he comes in with uh, the guitarist for uh, Sun, that kind of doom metal band Mm -hmm. or drone metal band with the guitar stuff. I'm I'm super into it. It sounds like a sixth rate six cover band to me. It's really (laughs) awful, and I am I am all. I am all for, like, I love some instrumental. Um, I like give me a band like Pelican, for example. Like, put their music over this, and I think you got something that that propels. I still don't believe that Panos is a real name. That's a Seinfeld character. That is not a real name. Um, well, you know, his dad is right. 
Yes, he directed Tombstone. He directed Cobra. He directed Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Um, this movie he seems like to be. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> he, you know, he goes. No. He what? Do you know like the whole like mythology, but like uh, or accusations towards most of uh, George Cosmato's movies? I do not. That Stallone, uh, the studio wouldn't let Stallone direct Rambo and like. Cobra and stuff. So he got George Cosmatos to be like the face, but it was really Stallone doing it. Mm-hmm. And Russell's passion project was Tombstone, mm-hmm. and the studio wanted to fund it if Kurt Russell was going to star and direct it. So he was talking to Stallone, and Stallone said, "Why don't you get George to do it?" <laughs> and he's the face of Tombstone, and promised George Cosmatos. Kurt Russell promised George Cosmatos not to reveal that Kurt was the director until George passed away. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but there are articles that go in detail about that stuff. So he got Toby Hooper, is what you're saying. Nonstop. So, by the way, like, what, I, I, I've messaged you this before. Um, oh, we have a blue filter instead of a red one. That's art. Um, so... <laughs> Earlier, like we were doing the like one director for of your favorite movies, and someone did Spielberg. And as an experiment, I'm like, I wonder if I can summon him. And we did, I did like E.T., Raiders, Jaws, and Poltergeist. And wouldn't you know, I woke up that morning and I was like, hate to do this, but and it was the Poltergeist account. Like, once again, anytime you mention like Spielberg directed. Poltergeist, he shows up like you said, Candyman five fucking times in the mirror. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. By the way, it's not a dig. Like I think that is it's so, so passionate. I love so the scary. opening. The opening dialogue of this movie. It's like, how's your day? It was pretty cool. I was reading that book on the galaxy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my god. And I think part of it is like I just hate people like this. Just like, uh you, you know, know what but, it is? I, I feel like some of the characters in this movie and i say this loving the movie but i feel like a lot of the characters in the movie is that really drunk guy at a bar who calls himself chameleon that talks about how profound you know what i mean (laughs) when i was in high school my friends got i got into punk rock and Uh i was a straight edge kid my friends really got into the grateful dead and weed and they would drive around and listen to fish and the great, and this is a reason I, you know, and Bernie Sanders is my second choice, but Vermont is disgusting. The, it's like, you got fish and hippies and just a bunch of dirty hippies and fish, you know, like, Oh, so basically would drive around and have conversations just like this right now while smoking weed and listening to the grateful dead and like a 1985, like Dodge Datsun. And it was just the fucking worst, man. <laughs> I think that might be it. I think that's like the the genesis of your hatred for this movie. It's just like, you just hate it, man. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. It's pretty. It's a very well shot movie. It's gorgeous. Um, I know that Panos's other movie, like Beyond, I mean, this looks like a like look right now we're looking at like the landscape. It looks like a metal cover. I mean, and it's gorgeous. Like I would not, I would totally print out that, thing and like if i had like a wood paneled basement put that up as a print in my basement yeah so i when it comes to like the setup of the story the quiet moments and that kind of stuff this movie in a lot of ways and i'll get into it more as the film goes on and it shows these things it does a good job in my opinion of setting up 
this existence of two people that came from very bad backgrounds. You know, Red was a veteran who went through some very heavy things. Uh, Mandy is very much his, his sanctuary, his his safe place. You know, he's calm. He's calm. And that is what drives the movie is when that stuff happens. That moment in the bathroom with the bottle that we'll get to in a little bit, that is his breaking point to go back to that stuff, kind of like John Wick. Whereas Mandy came from a very abusive background and Red is very much mm-hmm. her safe place. You know, that's, that's what it is. And I think the issue I have with it overall is like, and I said this last night watching it, I had this movie pinned in terms of like turning it up so I could hear it. And I cannot make out 90% of what they're saying to one another in this movie. So you're just left with two people like Nick Cage. is just like staring at a naked Mandy right now as she walks towards the fire. And it's just like, like how am I getting all that background from, from this? You know what I mean? Out of curiosity though, like were you ever into uh, Jodorowsky at all? No, I can. I know I'm, I'm not Holy Mountain, and you know I've I've never watched Holy Mountain. Um, I don't like Italian horror, which I find like I said this last night. I find most of it like super nonsensical uh, and yeah, just yeah. irritate. And I don't think this movie's nonsensical. Like it makes sense. Like there's a very clear plot and clear narrative to this movie. So that's not my issue with it. I think my issue is, and again, I think it really boils down to like when I saw the trailer for this movie and it's not the fault of the filmmaker, but you got like two minutes of like Nick Cage with a chainsaw, like wreaking havoc. That, and I think where a lot of movies suffer, uh, and I'm not talking about this because I love it, but uh, is something that I've been guilty of too. You know, I've been quoted in trailers like a lot of writers have, mm-hmm. but I think where movies like Mandy kind of set themselves up for failure with a lot of people is they use all these pull quotes to make the movie sound like they're like, like the next coming of God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, it's it's like it's like our friend Justin Bean says. You know, movies should just exist on their own. You know, mm-hmm. like I got into so much crap. There was a a line in a review I wrote where I was kind of making the general idea that I loved Leatherface, the newest one. I loved that movie. Most people didn't. You know, I was talking about like, man, I I think it might just, in in my opinion, I think even in the review, in my draft, it said, in my opinion, in my opinion, this is the best one since the original as far Mm -hmm. as like me enjoying it. That sentence, the best one since the original got put on the Blu-ray cover and a bunch of other stuff for Leatherface. Yeah. And can you imagine people buying that and then watching that movie? And like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, I think Mandy kind of suffered from that thing too. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not dissing it. I love that Leatherface movie, but mm-hmm. you know, I think pull quotes and people hyping stuff up to, uh, you know, crazy degrees can make a movie can make a movie suffer for other people. But I think the issue the issue there with this movie in particular is there was so much of that going on. Like, it came out of Fantastic Fest like a bat out of hell, and I. Same thing happened with Pet Cemetery in Southwest, uh, South by Southwest, last year, where people are like, "Oh my God, this movie is incredible! It is the best thing you're going to see all year. It's batshit crazy." And then you sit down for it, and you're like, "No, it's really not. It's really like this is a very languid. I mean, the pacing here is 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 languid." And it was funny that like you were saying that about Panos' dad, George, because I kind of consider this movie like almost like a fuck you to his father in some ways, because, you know, Cobra and First Blood and Tombstone have this like real propulsive action that drives the movie. 
And this right here is so methodically paced and so slow. I mean, be, both Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy actually were kind of uh, done to address the death of his father, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like like I was reading an interview with him and he, he was saying something along the lines of like, you know, Beyond the Black Rainbow was him kind of not knowing how to deal with the death of his father. Mm-hmm. And Mandy was kind of, you know, in a, a, kind of a more like a different take on on loss and how to deal with it and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. You know, Red kind of goes off the deep end with Mandy and that kind of stuff. And I know Panos uh, was documented, you know, in his own words of saying that, you know, he drank heavily and, you know, went kind of a mm-hmm. bad path after the, after the past few sure. dad. Uh, so, but I, I think as a, just a visual person, I mean, like I, I'm super into photography. I take a lot of photos, you know, that's a very big part of my life that I kind of don't talk about much, but there isn't a single frame in this movie that I, like you said, you know, about you liking how it looks, you know, visually, there's mm-hmm. a single frame in this movie that I wouldn't frame and put up like this whole movie, mm-hmm. the way it's shot and the way the like visuals are, those are the kind of photos that like I aspire to take. Like even it is, it can be nonsensical at times. Like the plot it's there, but for me, just me personally, it's more about visual aspects, my love for this movie, than anything mm-hmm. else, I think. And I think I approach movies from a much more narrative perspective. Yeah. And maybe I'm boring in that way. But like, I would much rather – like one of the few movies I've ever walked out in on was The Strange Body of Your Color uh, – The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. You like that um, one? Oh God, no! We got it was my uh, it played at a local film festival here. I think we got my friend and I got like two thirds of the way through it, and he is much more willing to put up with movies like that than I am. He has a much higher, not just tolerance, but really appreciating for. And we got up at the same time, and we're like, "This is bullshit," right now, and just like. <laughs> I walked out of it. Couldn't do it. And, you know, cannot really hang with like most Giallo films overall because it just, they don't make sense. Um, it's funny, it's the movies that I've, I've only walked out of three movies in my entire life. And they're all movies that like are the opposite kind of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like the first movie I ever walked out of was Jurassic Park 2. Like, <laughs> I was so offended when the T-Rex was, like, jumping on blockbusters and shit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is not what I loved about the first movie. And then, were you defending I, I, Blockbuster? Like, were you like, how dare you? you? But, like, you know, I was just like, I hate this movie. And then uh, The Lake House was one with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, which, I mean, why the fuck was I in that theater? Uh, and and Last Year's Grudge. I mean, honestly, were you trying know. to get laid? I have no idea. But uh, last year's Grudge was a third and the only movie I've walked out of. But that movie's terrible. Man. Yeah, yeah. I had to go was... back again though because I was paid to write about it. So. Oh. I didn't mind the. You know what? I know a lot of people hate the end of that movie, like that closing shot. I actually don't mind the closing shot of yeah. that movie. But here is Mandy yeah. reading some like uh, this background. Yeah, some sub-level... By the way, do you think a logger could afford this kind of, like, the views here? Like, I don't know, man. I think he might. Maybe. But we got, like, some Tolkien fan fiction going on right here with this. As far as fantasy, were there any good books coming out in 1983? I'm sure there were. 
I'm sure there were. Who could who could tell us? I think Grady Hendrix could probably if you pick up <laughs> Grady Hendrix's um, oh. the paperbacks from hell. There's so many books in there that you just want to highlight and go. I need to kind of hunt down these books right now. Are you I'm on sure. his mailing list? What's that? Are you on his mailing list? I am not. I should probably get on. Oh, that. it's his weekly uh, lists are great. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: Last Christmas, my sister and I both bought each other my best friend's Exorcism. Oh, I love that book gifts. so much. Oh, I love it too. Like I, I had read it, so I bought it for her, and she thought I would really like it. So that's kind of how in simpatico. Have you we... read that horror story yet? I have not. It's good, good stuff. Okay, I love everything so, he's written. Yeah, and I have. We sold our souls for rock and roll. I have that one. So this to me, and again, like this, one of the, my problems with the movie right here is like it's just a red filter thrown over a fog machine while a woman walks down a path in slow motion. Yeah, it but is, what's coming uh, this direction? What's mm-hmm. coming this direction? The cult. Hell is coming this direction. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Now. If throwing a red filter over a camera is a sign of genius, then, my God, we've really, I, we've really slipped as a society. So, you know, I, I dig the Sabbath t-shirt. Yeah, right? So we are going to have our introduction of our villain here, Jeremiah Sands, in a moment. And I don't know if I do this now or later, but... (laughs) I'm sure you'll do it multiple times. Go for it. So Linus Roach, who plays Jeremiah Sands, and it does look like... It's weird. Like, in this role, he looks like if if WCW, WWE wrestler Jeff Jarrett and... Jeff Daniels like face fucked one another, and this was the result. Like it's uncanny how much yeah, this he looks good. Yeah, no, I, I I do agree with you. He looks a lot like him. It's funny. It's I, yes, it's funny. I never realized that until you pointed it out. Mm-hmm. I was well, You told me I was wrong. I'm like, look at the two side by side. It's insane. Yeah. So we have our early '80s death cult right over here. So that dude looks like. The um, what this that guy. the dude the mullet looked like kind of Hans Gruber's like sidekick, except yeah. the less musty version. But here he is, like WJ uh, Jeff Jarrett, right here. Your main. I think at that point, I'm like, if this is my main bad guy, I cannot take any movie seriously where the main what? bad guy looks like Jeff. I Jarrett. love the idea of the cult just did the wrong acid and it just fucked them up so much that they're on constantly on the trip, you know. Like, I love that approach, and I, I think that that's one of the coolest things about this movie. It's just like, they're not smart people. In fact, I mean, he tries to be seductive in a little bit, and she laughs at him. You know, they're they're not good bad guys at all. They're, they've just done too many drugs, and they right. think that they're gods. You know, it's funny to me. But I think, oh, God, look at this. You have the Stranger Things. You have the Stranger Things uh, title sequence right now. Children of the New Dawn. Oh my God. So oh, cool. Yeah. Just it's not. So a couple. Here we have another slow bit right here while Jeremiah gets tended to. So a couple career highlights for Double J Jeff Jarrett. I kind of looked these up earlier. So what I first remembered him for 
was he was he played a country singer in the WWF in the mid nineties to start. He's actually the son of Jerry Jarrett, a very famous wrestling promoter in the Nashville territory in the eighties, back before you know WWF had really gotten its hold on everything. You had all these minor territories across the country, and a wrestler would say, "Go to Nashville, then Memphis, then the Mid South, then Texas," and can make his money that way. So Stone Cold Steve Austin got his first break in the uh, in Jerry Jarrett's territory, and Jerry Jarrett was notorious for being cheap. Like he would pay his wrestlers like twenty bucks a week. And meanwhile, you have his kid, you know, Jeff Jarrett, you know, reaping the rewards of being like daddy's, you know, the promoter's son. So you get all his money from daddy. So when Austin was the hottest thing going in ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine in the WWF. He refused to work with Jeff Jarrett based on Jarrett being such a douche to everybody when he was like when Austin was coming up as a struggling wrestler making 20 bucks a week. Like Jeff Jarrett would make all these like snide comments to the other wrestlers about how well he was doing and how everybody else was like sucking wind at that point. So Austin is like, I ain't working with this guy. He's not making a dime off of me. So there's Jeff Jarrett fun fact number one. And I think we'll kind of come back to him. Come back to him later on throughout the podcast See, here. The reason that I love this character and the cult is how fucking ridiculous they are. Like my mom used to hang out with these bikers and they were all like full on, like on crank and everything else. And my mom would take us to their house while they're doing all this stuff. Obviously great parenting. And I would listen, even as a kid, I would listen to these idiots talk about conspiracies and talk about heavens and hells and alternate dimensions and shit. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, it was the most interesting thing ever to listen to because even as like a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kid going to these crank houses, listening to these hippies talk about shit, I would know that they were full of shit. And it would be like almost like watching <laughs> a movie even as a kid. Just like, you know, I'd put my like hand on my cheek and just like watch these idiots talk about the most ridiculous things ever. And I love these characters for that. Like there's they're big caricatures of every hippie like burnout who does way too like ways does too much drugs and just are so fried that they think they have life figured out, but they don't know shit. Like it's so much pleasure to watch these guys. Yeah. What were some of the best conspiracies you heard? Do you remember any? Oh my God. Uh one of them was that Mr. T uh I, I shit you not. Mr. T had something to do with JFK getting shot. Believable. Uh, no, like there's, there were some out there things that I, I don't like the kid from mask. That movie was share. Like it wasn't only based on a true story, but it was a medical experiment or something like that. Mm -hmm. These guys were just fucking weird, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. I don't like listening to these guys. And that's what I love about these, these characters. Like I don't mm -hmm. find them silly. I find them extremely silly. Like it's almost mm -hmm. comical to me. It's a comedy to me in a lot of ways. But it's not meant to be a comedy. Like I don't think that, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't think Manos is like doing a Panos is doing a black comedy here. <laughs> By the way, the two. So I, I want to point did. out that your sidekicks right here. One of them looks like um, I think it's Richard Spencer from um, ba ba ba. Six Feet Under and Cabin in the Woods. And then the other room, you have like a Woody Harrelson and Jonah Hill look alike. 
which is to me <laughs> wonderful casting, by the way. Couldn't get the real deal, so we get guys that look just like them. I think that's uh, wonderful. Another funny thing, just for being like a huge DC Comics and Batman fanatic, Linus Roach played Bruce Wayne's father in Batman Begins, mm-hmm. and Richard Burton in this later shot Batman's father in Batman Begins. So it's kind of Very fun good. to see Joe, you know, Thomas Wayne. In Interesting. Very good. That's the kind of like attention to detail that other podcasts yes. just don't give you. Yes. And I love so. the lens flare. So a lot of people bitch about lens flares. Dude, give me more. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? J.J. Abrams, put more in your movies. Mm-hmm. This is J.J. Abrams porn right now. J.J. <laughs> Abrams watches Mandy. And he does. He's, he, I, I, let's put it this way. When J.J. Abrams watches Mandy, he doesn't even put on pants that day. <laughs> He knows. It's no point. No point. So here I am. Like you have like this opening scene where man, it looks like they're in total isolation, but she's working at the local package store. You know? Yeah, but there's like little little communities or very small secluded mm-hmm. places that have those. Like there's uh, Three Rivers and places mm-hmm. like that where where I live it's called Three Rivers, mm-hmm. and they have very, very similar mm-hmm. places like that. You think Mandy might want to put the book down and actually wait on the customer in front of her that has like the goods, you yeah. know, like, Oh, Hey, I'm standing in front with like, I, this is, Oh God. It's so annoying. Like, have you ever been to a store where you're like, Hey, I have all my shit. And like, I would like to ring Crystal it up Lake. and go. Well, I'm sorry. Crystal. What was that? Crystal Lake reference right now. I missed it. She said it's over by Crystal Lake. Ah, uh, uh, no, uh, I think Mandy only works at this place uh, just part time, just to pay for her, you know, novel addiction, or mm-hmm. you know, like fantasy novels. I think Ray maybe, brings home the bacon. Maybe she's not even working there, and like the owner is like on a poop break, and she just ducks behind the counter whenever he does that. Oh man, be amazing. So, and and plus, Jeremiah Sands going back to that douchebag. Like the fact that he saw Mandy once and he tells his current cronies, Oh, I feel naked without her. We've all met burnouts like that, that, you know, at a bar or something like that, that is way too drunk or high. And he's trying to like tell some random chick that like, you're my soulmate, you know, we're destined and that kind of shit. Jeremiah Sands reminds me of that guy too. Like it's, it's just like a huge blender of douchebags that I've, I've seen throughout my life. Listeners. I just want to remind you right now that we are, 29 minutes into this two hour and one minute movie. Yes. My, and nothing has happened yet. Literally nothing of interest has happened at this point. We've had some walking and some reading. There's been some walking. There's been some lens flares. There's been some red filters. And to change it up, there's been some blue filters. Oh, God, it's coming. I cannot wait. <laughs> What's coming? Uh, just hell, man. Hell, look at this guy. I know. <laughs> Where, where did they find him? Just like that guy. I feel, like that guy like I feel like that guy auditioned for Gummo and got didn't get a callback. That would be Brother Hanker. That is Alexis Julemont, uh, who's also been in Raw, and I'm trying to think of what else I've seen uh-huh. him in. Like, like that's really the, it. Just Raw. He's been in other things, but like the Cannibal movie. Yes. Man, I loved that one. Yeah, that movie's fantastic. Why aren't we doing a commentary on Raw? Why are we doing Mandy? Because you chose Mandy. <laughs> I did. I did. Such a shitty I was choice. I surprised, too, because it was, like, late, I think late one night, and, like, we were, like, talking about the 50th uh, episode, and I was like, okay, do you want to do a commentary? Mandy, like, what? Okay. What? 
I'm down. It's happening. So now they're blowing the pipe. The pipe of and then we get we get a new version of Cinnabites. This is the Hellraiser I want. Bring them. So what is the deal with the bikers? Can you explain this to me? Are they demons? Are they just fucked up humans? Like are I they like stepping know. out of the Thunderdome? Like what's the deal? I think that I don't think they're humans because there's something supernatural going on. But I also think they're super into LSD as uh, mm-hmm. you know, the same as the humans. But I mean, they only get they only bribe the bikers from hell into doing stuff by sacrificing someone to them. So I think it's mm-hmm. kind of a a, a hell a hell world kind of thing. And I believe it's like the dude who won like third place at the Jonah Hill lookalike contest yeah. at the craft fair that gets sacrificed, right? Yeah. Okay. I can't. So now, this is such a good look to him. <laughs> my God. I mean, he looks like if Woody Harrelson just locked himself in a bathroom in a gas station somewhere and did nothing but meth for 30 days. Like, if that's how Woody Harrelson spent his quarantine, like, I'm going to lock myself in a gas and sit bathroom. I'm going to live off of nothing but beef jerky and meth. This is what he would look like walking out of there in 30 days. I feel like this dude would still be in the bar from Friday the 13th, too. <laughs> like Ted? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he did. did you, have you noticed that every character in this movie looks like they're crying? Yeah, they don't look happy. I mean, cults are usually suck you in by looking super happy, I don't they? See. These people are so just tripped up. You can tell. Look at the passenger. That high is now not ended. Like I, when uh, Fantastic Fest 2015, I shared an Airbnb with Brad McCarg, mm-hmm. and I, I hadn't seen High Rise yet because I missed the first like press screening. And I came back to the house and I was like, "So have you guys seen it? How is it?" And he goes, "Yeah, it's basically at the party never stopped." And I think that's what the same thing is with these guys. Yeah. It was the what never stopped. You cut out there for half a the second. Party. It's the party. Because if the party stopped. stopped. Yeah. These guys don't look like the parties ever started, dude. These guys just look. <laughs> they look rough. They look this rough. This is a bad trip. Very bad. Now you got the bikers. Oh, I do. I mean, like, again, this is where if, it, if the whole movie was not that red background, this would be cool to me. But it just to me, it blends in too much. Like, this looks gorgeous yeah, right yeah. now. This is absolutely – I'm not going to shit on this because this looks pretty stunning. I feel like that main song from Drive would play right here. Mm-hmm. Remember that? It was a night I, call. I do not remember that. Oh man, it's been good. so long since I've seen that movie. I do not like the the. I am very envious of some people's like ability to remember these things. I feel like a month after I watch something, it's like I fell on my head and and got a tremendous like brain injury because I just do not remember these details like other people do. This hell biker that looks kind of like Pinhead. You know what he looks like to me. You know, like when you like as a kid, you wanted to do like a real you saw someone with like a really good Freddy costume or something and you tried mm-hmm. to do one and it came out just like so yeah. bad. like that's how it looks. And but I like it, but it, it looks like Pinhead on crack. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking he looks a bit like the big bad in Resident Evil three, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So. That's a pretty grotesque look. I actually made my own Freddy costume in sixth grade. 
I got so like, this I. really ugly looking like red. I couldn't find red and green, so it was like a red and black sweater. And I made my own glove, like a leather glove with these like sharp knives. Like, like really, I think we were having some construction done at the time, so I was able to find these like like almost blade like things and tape them to my fingers and like I had strict parents, but sometimes they paid absolutely no attention to anything to what I was doing. So I got to really fuck someone up with those. Well, see, I had the opposite. My my dad never paid attention to me, but I wish he would have – not so I could not fuck things up, mm-hmm. so I could not be embarrassed. I did a Faraday costume, and I didn't have any skill with special effects makeup. So I just put red food coloring and tapioca pudding and put it all over my face. <laughs> and it fell off like five minutes into the day. So sad. <laughs> no, but I think it's funny right here that how they get these guys to do it. It's not just a sacrifice, but they give them a mason jar full of LSD. Like, can mm-hmm. you imagine if in Hellraiser if, if Christy had done that to Pinhead? There's some acid. That would have been good. And here these two are now. Like, you're back to Nick Cage and Mandy. They're just having some steak. Yeah, watching, watching TV. TV. Watching TV. Nice little night in. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Not much going on here. <laughs> not much to add. Really don't have a lot to add right here. You know, there's just not. So into that show that he didn't even look at his steak when he was cutting it. Nope. No, yeah. Nick Cage is not. Do you, when's the last time you think Nick Cage just looked at his food? I think people just feed him. I don't even know. I I, I think Nick Cage is pleasure, but <laughs> I think Nick Cage is the kind of like wastrel spender that he hires people to feed him because <laughs> in God ban he can't he cannot let touch food like that's that's for plebeians my friend that's just, no he does not oh, do that. Man. Did you see the Purple Rain performance video? No, what's this? He had just went through a breakup or he's going to get divorced. Oh, hold on, hold on. Before, huh? Blue yeah. filter. Not a red okay. one, blue one. Okay, continue. <laughs> he was about to go through a divorce and it was a really bad breakup. And a friend of his was like, let's go to a karaoke bar. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, they usually film those things. He's like, no, don't worry. Nobody's allowed to film at this place. And then People someone – and it's Nicholas Cage doing Purple Rain but not seeing it. Just like this guttural, primal scream of Purple Rain the whole time. That's so sad. It's so good. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I love Nicolas Cage. How would this movie do if it wasn't Nick Cage in this role? Would we would people be as fond of it, or is this pure Cage? No, I, I see. Here's the thing: I love this movie. The visual aspects, it's so good. But I do mm-hmm. feel like a lot of it is. Oh God, that Lost Boys looking shot right mm-hmm. there. But uh, a lot of it, I think, really rides on how great of a performance Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage gives in my opinion. I love it. I think it's one of his best. Yeah. Like, what if it was Jason Statham, though? Like, Jason Statham is Vin Diesel. Like, Vin Diesel in this role. Man, this is crazy looking. Is absolutely. The thing that drives me nuts is the whole cage rage thing. I don't think that that's a single fucking thing in this movie. I think every single action that he does is very important to the story Mm -hmm. and is motivated by something for it. Mm hmm. Because, yeah, like, even the scene sure. in the bathroom is... Oh, totally. You know. I mean, like I said earlier, he was a veteran, went through some hardcore stuff. This is his comfort. This is his sanctuary. They mm-hmm. take that away. You know, that's that primal kind of anger and that, mm-hmm. that violence that comes through through him. And I think every decision is warranted. Mm-hmm. So 
going back and knowing a little bit more about the character of Mandy's like backstory at this point, this makes yeah. a little bit more sense. I mean, she just looks completely helpless. Cage looks like he has no idea what's going on at this exactly. point. She's just completely resigned to the fact like, oh, going to get taken advantage of again at this point. Yeah. So, And then the thing, there goes like, low-rent Jonah Hill. Yes. Low-rent Jonah Hill is now a dead man. That and like it's not just about Cage's background as violence and stuff. It's how anger how angry would you be seeing someone you love basically killed and taken from you and then killed, I mean, taken from you and then killed right in front of your eyes and not being able to do a damn mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Like fuck, man. Yeah. No, and that's why I say like my problem with this movie is one hundred percent not the plot of this movie. Um, the problem, you know, because it, it makes it, it's the execution of it. And hey, it, that's a personal thing. Like anyone that loves this movie, like go for it. I'm not going to fault you for loving it overall. Like it's a total me thing. And I, you know, I think, you know, that my uh, I'm exaggerating a bit. And like I'm not one of those people that if you're like, oh, I absolutely love Mandy. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm like, well, you're an idiot. Like, that's not who I am. But the execution for it is just not. Just not for me at this point. When when my mom used to take me to those biker houses, there was a woman that looks like this older older mm-hmm. woman woman here, and her name was Lindy. And mm-hmm. she'd always look at me and be like, "Oh boy, when he gets older, he's gonna be a cutie." And like oh. the same same vibe, like the sketchy off putting vibe. Oh. And you knew that, like, if you looked at her the right way, she would try to break you in on the spot, right? Oh, dude, right? Yeah, and she'd have like dirty kids that were like mm-hmm. seven or eight, like with dirt all over the faces, yeah. going like, "I ain't a virgin anymore." Right? Like that existence was awful, man. Childhood. And you know, on hot days, she just like sweated nicotine. I mean, just. Yeah. Oh, you could smell it. A little bit of eye trauma right here. Yeah. Just oh, acid, acid LSD right, in the, LSD. right in the Jesus. fucking eyeball. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's pretty gross. Uh, uh, and then we have a little scorpion right here. It's like a black spider or a scorpion. I can't quite. I can't see shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we got a little bit of a little bit more venom going right in just to yes. I mean that's I will say kudos that's pretty fucked up right here. Like this is yeah. not not awful right here. So oh. that could have been the pull quote, not awful, the pot of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Oh man. This movie, man. These people but, are mean. This yeah, you know I, what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Michael Myers and Rob. Zombies Halloween 2, where you can't mm-hmm. just stab someone one, one or five times. It has to it's be like 37 42. times. Yeah. Like Octavia Spencer. Jesus Christ, man. Mm-hmm. She gets butchered in that. I think it's like, I think I counted like 19 stabs oh, when I went back and rewatched that movie. It's like, all right, we get it. We it's get all right. It. Yeah. You got mommy issues. It's all right. <laughs> we get Speaking it. Speaking of which, like, I, I watched Three from Hell. I did watch Three from Hell recently, and it's one of the movies where it was on in a bar with, like, no dialogue. I'm like, this is really good. It holds my attention. Um, I just wish somebody else would write his dialogue. See, that's interesting because I think that's one of uh, – as far as writing-wise, I think that's one of his best uh, written movies. That's that's crazy. Do you think it was like the 38th time that Baby said motherfucker <laughs> that you're like, this is really – this is really – the beginning of Rejects with Bill Mosley. Shit, fuck, shit, fuck. Yeah. 
So I don't know, but I would, I may, I'll give it, we were at some point going to cover that trilogy. So I'll have to have to rewatch it. Um, I have some, some ethical, some moral issues with the third act of that movie too, but you know, we're here to talk Mandy tonight and we have the whole drug trip going on right now with a red filter and some purple mixed in. It's kind of like the SpectreVision logo at all times. In the kind movie. of, yeah. I and I think did. this is my, you know, like this to me, like I get she's it. Like, she's, she's on acid. She's tripped out. Um, my thing is we're 43 minutes into this movie and not a hell of a lot is going on still. And everything is in slow motion. Like this is, this really could have been cut down oh, to like 30 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. That looks like the back vinyl album cover of like a 70s prog rock. Oh yeah, absolutely. That dude on the right is just like out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like one of them calls themselves lizard. At least one of them. One of them does. So I want to point out here, um, after feuding, uh, after like going to the WWF, Jeff Jarrett, his first feud was with, the roadie who was the roadie for Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jarrett recorded a country music song, Be My Baby Tonight, which is actually pretty catchy, believe it or not. The two would eventually feud because it was discovered the roadie was the actual singer of the song, Be My Baby oh. Tonight. So they fought over who the biggest country star was. The answer would be neither of them. Um, the roadie would go on to uh, fame as the road dog, one half of the popular tag team, the New Age Outlaws, with his partner Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn also went by the nickname Mr. Ass. The Mr. attitude error was wild, my friends. Fucking Jeez. wild. So, Jesus. Yeah. We all know who the real musician is. It's the Honky Tonk Man. The Honky Tonk Man was great. <laughs> Apparently he's great. a in real life. So. Oh, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. You can tell that guy was a complete fucking douchebag. Well, he's you cousins. My hero. Hmm? You know who was always my hero in, in WWF back in the day? Virgil. Jim? Virgil. Dude, Virgil, man. So, apparently, like, uh, he... It, is up for hire. Like if you want to have a bachelor party and invite Virgil Are for like a serious? 600 bucks. Yeah. The podcast, the lapse fan have like went into a huge story about how, when one of them was getting married, they hired Virgil for the bachelor party. And he basically hung with them all night. And he talked about getting meat sauce all night, like literally getting spaghetti sauce and how good it was. So we have the carpenters here like the main bad guy in a horror movie is talking about his affinity for the carpenters Mm -hmm. great see i i wonder if that was cage's influence because in ghost rider the first one he only want he wanted the johnny blaze or Mm -hmm. the character he wanted him to always listen to carpenters and eat i think m&ms or skittles right like those were he always had m&ms and i think they were like certain color m&ms yeah i love nicholas cage's demands yeah yeah. And that was, again, that was, you're right. That was uh, Cage's influence on the movie. Like, because that's, that's what was important overall. So Do you remember, have you, have you paid attention to all the, like the different times that he's made those demands? I have not. Oh, and he was originally going to be the, the villain in uh, the green Hornet with Seth mm-hmm. Rogen. And the reason that they decided not to hire him is because he ins- Insisted that he would wear one of those fake Rastafarian wig hats and have an accent. Uh, <laughs> when he did that movie with Nicole Kidman, Trespass, uh, 
he was supposed to play the, the main good guy a week before filming. He wanted to change it and be the main bad, bad guy. So they were freaking out. And the last minute he wanted to play the good guy again. Like his demands are so funny. He's just his own worst. And I mean, he's you uh, look, look I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about Nick Cage because he's a national treasure. Oh, he but, is. <laughs> and but my, part two. But my God, sometimes you need people. Yes. I think they're doing a third one. Because I think uh, the yes. mortgage is due on, yeah, the mortgage is due on like castle number eight at this point. Um, so this dude is definitely wearing a pro wrestling robe right here. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. This to me, like this scene in a moment is going to, and we're going to have the melding of faces right here. And yeah, this I is love so much, so much gibberish right here. <laughs> okay. So but much. have you ever- other than the sacrament, have you ever seen a movie where the cult is like likable? Like they're but always they, full of shit, you know? Right. But I mean, like they're but they usually have someone that's like semi believable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like this, is, this guy was probably the most profoundly genius mm-hmm. person in the world to the people that are on acid, like praising him. You know what I mean? This is like the, the cult leader that other. This is the other cult leader that other cult leaders bully. Basically, oh yeah, yeah. He's like the Randall of the Monsters University crew. Oh yeah. Forty-eight <laughs> minutes in, we have another hour and ten minutes yes. of this, and I'm yes. hating every every choice I've ever made. Oh, one more, led to one this. more Nicholas Cage demand. <laughs> Everyone, when Rob Zombie asked him to, for his cameo in his Grindhouse trailer, Werewolf Women of the S. Nicholas Cage said he would only do it if he could play Fu Manchu. And he, does. he was, correct? Yeah, he does. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, it's great. I will say Nick Cage, um, he does like, I know he genuinely does enjoy doing this movies. I know he gave a speech, uh, I think last summer, where he was like, there's a place for these movies overall. Like, he has fun doing them. Um, and, you know, so he's not it's not just about like, yeah, I need a paycheck. Like he genuinely gets enjoyment and some satisfaction from doing them overall, which is, and I think like, it's kind of fun to have someone who champions, you know, like you have an Oscar winner that champions these weirdo, bizarre movies. I don't think that's a bad thing. I I think it's different. He does do a lot of movies and you know, there's a lot of them that, you know, you can find at Walmart all at once, but I Mm -hmm. don't think it's like Eric Roberts where he stars in like literally a hundred a year. And you could tell that, like, you know what I mean? You could tell that it's on a business from the money. I think mm-hmm. Case just likes being weird, yeah. you know? And I mean, as a compliment, he loves just like, okay, this would be a mediocre. I'm not saying this about Mandy, but other ones. In his eyes, I could see it being, okay, this is going to be a mediocre movie. How can I make it that much better, you know? Right. And to me, this is not even the most out there performance of the year for him. Like, the most, like, when you think of over the top Nick Cage performances, is what you think of. Like to me, it is Mom and Dad starring him and Selma oh, Blair, yeah. and Selma yeah. Blair keeps Keep the up. fuck up with him every step of the way. Um, yeah. We're about to go into um, Goodbye Horses territory here in a moment, but worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just to me, we're gonna get full on dong. But like Mom and Dad. Um, oh, it's not full on dong. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's you know, just making fun of his, you know, you know good for Julian Sands, right over here. But yep, this is like imagine if Ric Flair forgot to wear 
his wrestling gear under his robe one night and disrobed <laughs> Charlottesville. Um, this is just like he's stroking his belly. This is just so fucked up, dude. And everyone is just sitting around like, yeah, it's a dude, Wednesday I night. Know. That two items like, God, can this just be over with already? Yeah. Dude, is behind him is like, <laughs> it's, it's Wednesday night. Julian's got his dog out, you know, so. Actually, Jeremiah, Julian Sands is war. Jeremiah, that's right. Jeremiah's got his dog out, yep. Now, um, see, that I'm, I'm awful with names. Um, but Mom oh, and Dad, geez. to me, is the best performance oh, game that year. I love that movie. And who, oh. parents, if you're quarantined like we are right now, who is not going to want to come out of this experience without wanting to murder their kids? Yeah. Uh, and now we have mom and dad. Uh, mm-hmm. It's at Walmart's everywhere for like five bucks in the five buck bin. So oh, it. it's well worth it. So this yeah. Jeremiah beating his flaccid little dog while he gets laughed at. That's beautiful right there. That's it's every, oh, I was going to make a, a bad joke. Never mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is every that every dude, uh, every bro, every time like Black Christmas or Birds of Prey comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, it's internet trolls before. You know, now he's a this sad kind of pathetic dude getting laughed at, and he's there's nothing left for him here. And now you get tied up, Nick Cage, tied up with barbed wire, and shit's okay. about to get real. As, okay, as much as you hate this movie, and I'm asking this honestly, do you think that this scene is like? bad like i think cage is able to invoke like so much just in his eyes right here no i think this is one of the better scenes of the movie like it's not a i don't think mandy is garbage from start to finish but it just we'll get into it i think a little bit more when we get into um when it gets a little bit better when it gets into like the the third act of the movie of why i'm disappointed by this movie overall um one more jeff jarrett highlight for right now though in 1999 (laughs) he feuded with china uh who was a uh, bodybuilding female wrestler who was one of the most popular acts and i think actually um made the cover of playboy twice which when you had first seen china's very lovely woman just in a not a traditional way um feuded with her over the intercontinental title he was leaving the wwf for wcw in 1999 his contract had run out the day before the 1999 pay-per-view where he was due to drop the intercontinental strap to china and he basically held up vince mcmahon for about three hundred thousand dollars and said i'm not under contract if you want me to lose you gotta pay me so good oh, wow. for Jeff Jarrett. And I, I I, love this. And I don't mean I love it like I support it. I love it because it shows what a piece of shit. This mm-hmm. guy got rejected. So what does he do? The same thing that every bar bro that gets rejected does. Calls the girl a whore and that kind right. of shit. I don't really Kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really want her to. Really like, she's such mm-hmm. a cunt. She's a bitch. Fuck her, man. Yeah. She's, you know, she's all busted out already. So Absolutely. Look at those pit stains, man. That is fucking something else. It's method. No, just... <laughs> this is a very faith. cool scene right here. I do like the blind faith. And I think this is a very, this is the only cult member that survives. If I remember correctly, right? I, I don't think Cage so. touches her. Yeah. Yeah. I think because what 
what you're supposed to see in her is she's very much been brainwashed and hoodwinked and is, you know, not it's, on the same level as the like others. She's like me at 12 with Christianity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Playing Russian roulette. Yeah. Yeah, so that is just a fucked up moment right there. I almost thought he was going to, hey, all right, now do it again. Um, yeah. And see how that would go down. But yeah, that to me is like a pretty cool, pretty cool scene. Pretty cool moment overall. Yeah. I want to, you know, I guess we'll get to it in a minute. I want to talk about the whole idea of women in refrigerators. And are you familiar with that phrase, that terminology? Okay. So we'll get into that here in a moment after what goes down. Um this looks like one of the dudes from the old Newhart show, one of the brother Larry a little bit. I can't remember which one. <laughs> Love Good to see games. him still getting work. Yeah. That guy would definitely have like a Trump Pence 2020. Don't they all look front lawn. especially Jeremiah, but don't they both look like they would be like one of those old classic rock bands that are still going today, but have like the new like hipster haircuts. Yeah, it's like their faces yeah. are dragging, but like they still have those like seventy dollar, you know, stra- straight iron, flat iron I think haircuts. Jeremiah would be fronting like a Led Zeppelin bar cover band that plays in bars on Saturday nights. That is like really big yeah. in Albuquerque. Yeah, that, that would be so. Just some weirdness going on right here. Right now, Jeremiah looks a lot like Jeff Daniels, unless like Jeff Jarrett's kind of. An odd oh. thing there. A little bit of gore going on right there. Don't know how that doesn't kill you, but all right, fair enough. Why not? <laughs> yeah, you do do enough of that LSD and cocaine later on in the movie, and that'll that'll keep you going a few days. So, his okay. Oh man, his rants. Mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. See, that right there, if he had that level of menace throughout the whole movie, I would be prone to take him a little bit more serious as a threat. See, I think that Linus Loach had such a fun time with this because that guy is such a serious, a serious, like, Mm -hmm. actor. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen him in a role like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen him in. He's in this really good movie called, I think it's called Shot Through the Heart with Vincent mm-hmm. Perez from Queen Margot and the, the second Crow movie about these mm-hmm. two best friends that become like different sides and they're assassins, they're snipers. So good. So now we're bringing out Mandy. She's in the sack. And this is fucked up. Yeah. Okay. So women in refrigerators. So it was a term that was um, coined by comic book writer Gail Simone. She's written Mm -hmm. for Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn. Um, She's a phenomenal writer, really bright, really sharp, great Twitter account. Um, She did it. She started the website in 1999 as a means to discuss like comic books with her friends and and, uh, fellow writers. Um, 
It refers to an incident in Green Lantern number 54. Now, this was a time where Hal Jordan, who was the original Green Lantern, Lantern, had gone bad and um, basically had gone insane and become a villain called Parallax that almost destroyed the world. And he died, quote unquote, for a short time. This was like a point like in the early to mid 90s where DC was trying to replace like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, yeah. Green Lantern, all of their iconic characters with like newer versions of themselves and as you can imagine all of the originals came back because that's not what people want. Um but Green Lantern was replaced by a younger uh, character called Kyle Rayner uh in Green Lantern number 50 or 51 and he had a girlfriend um Alex Alexandra and it was a you know for the first few issues you get to know them. In issue fifty four, Rainer opens the refrigerator and finds his girlfriend's like severed head in the refrigerator. Right. So Simone noticed a and, and noticed a trend where female characters are often the only purpose they serve is to start the male character on his hero's quest. Yeah. Okay. That point. You know, they really don't. They really like. You see female characters either killed. uh, You see them dismembered. You see them raped. You see them brutalized, and they don't really have any agency of their own. They don't really serve any purpose on their own, except to get like the male hero on his quest to fuck shit up, and. I kind of find Mandy as one of those characters, even though she's the title character of the movie. There's nothing to her. No, I, I could see that. I could see. Yeah, I could totally see. What, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's. Whew. I think that might be the offspring of Crazy Ralph right there. Right. Have you, so have you ever seen the, the, the uh, Netflix show F is for Family? I have not animated animated uh series bill burr and stuff there's just like these whacked out little kids that's like that they're always like trying to kill themselves and that kind of stuff that's what these people remind me of yeah oh yeah they're hillbillies this would be like this is this if you know a less exciting version of the sawyer clan in texas chainsaw massacre so but yeah I, i think that's one of the big problems i have with the movie is now you're an hour into the movie and your title character has been burned alive, burned alive in a horrible way um, for rejecting the advances of the cult leader. Um, and she's really, I, I feel like I've never gotten to know anything about her, you know? Mm-hmm. And the only thing that she serves is to so that Nick Cage can go all, you know, chainsaw happy in the last half hour of the movie. No, I, I I do wish that there was more to Mandy as far as the character, but I I do feel that how Cage performs right here, like we're seeing everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do see through his performance how much she meant to him, mm-hmm. which kind of in a way I think kind of helps that a little bit. But I, I totally see your point. I'm actually working on a script right now for a, a director, uh, and we're we're trying to do the opposite actually. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of a flip side to that same exact kind of thing you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. So the female, the, you have like a female protagonist or. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really gory kind of four thing. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's very like cool. It's like kind of the dudes, the dudes only purpose was to set her on her mission. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure it'll get shit upon by like oh, dude oh, bros yeah. on Twitter. If it that's ever becomes a thing. Right. Yeah. You know, but 
God love them. God <sighs> love, God love the dude bros on Twitter. Yes, mm-hmm. they're loud. So this is, I think, just the the no, like most normal looking shot in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. This yeah. like the way the cinematography and the lighting. It feels like it's out of the uh, remake of Friday the Thirteenth. Right mm-hmm. He's <laughs> been stabbed in the side. Saw his girlfriend burned alive, and he's just like, just looking. Do you think Nick Cage asked to go like full method, and they have to leave him like that for like twelve hours before they shoot the they're scene like, that day? Like, but we have the rubber or the, or the plastic barbed wire things. No, give me nope. the real ones. Give me the real thing. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Nouveau shamanic. Yeah, have you heard of that? Here for six hours. No. He said that his performances have always been intentional, and he calls his style of acting, he named it Nouveau Shamanic. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> fucking tiresome. That's really tiresome right there. I'm into it. <laughs> what level of famous do you have to get to before people just don't call you out on everything you say is utter bullshit? Well, there is a new thing this week. And I'm not making light of the situation like like Full Moon is obviously doing with Corona Zombies, the movie. But uh, there was that article that Jared Leto was at a 12 oh, yeah. day retreat without mm-hmm. technology. And basically he came back to a world that has changed mm-hmm. because he was in the desert, you know, not talking for 12 days. Oh, my like, God. It's just. <laughs> yeah. But wasn't he like tweeting during that 12 days he was allegedly away? Oh, I, I don't follow. I him. think I, someone like like uh, was like, uh, dude, like this is you six days ago tweeting. So like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jared Leto is just he's something else. He's just yeah. I don't even have a comment. I don't even have a comment for yeah, it. Just like, I'm just you can't see. I'm just shaking my head right now. So now you have the smoldering remains of Mandy. Can you imagine, though? Like, fuck, man. This is intense. So far, this is a pretty spot-on interpretation of that old Barry Manilow song, though. If I remember the lyrics correctly, <laughs> it pretty much follows the lyrics of that song. Yeah, so. yeah. Beat by oh, beat. I love it. Beat by beat, pretty much. Uh, classic Barry. So... I was, uh, I think, 19, uh, no, actually, 2004, I was painting this real estate guy's house for him. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how I got the job. It was a friend of mine. And there was some really awful music playing. And I was joking. I go, man, is this fucking Barry Manilow? Who listens to that? Then all of a sudden, I hear the real estate guy from inside, hey, I love Barry Manilow. And, like, I almost got fired over it. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was that intense. Like, I was so offended. But you don't like I I kind of also like Barry Manilow's music, man. Yeah, he, but dude, he, in, in 2003, I was like 23. Yeah, I'd be the same that thing. Was, that's shit. Hey, R.I.P. to the Gambler today, Kenny Rogers. Oh, right? No more. Did you see the video of Dolly Parton? Yeah, it was very sad. Right. So I, I also watched the Kenny Rogers Jackass. Uh, <laughs> which was on Mad Men. I had yeah. never even heard of that before, and it was brilliant. And apparently, he was a big fan of it. He was like, "This is great." So, Kenny Rogers, the Gambler, Nick Cage in his underwear. Yeah, I think you know, this is a turning point for the movie. I I love the bathroom scene. Okay, I think when I the first time I watched the movie, 
it's when I tapped out. I'm like, nope, I think yeah. I'm pretty much I'm done here. This is I think this is where I, I went from like I'm really not really digging this movie very much to when I got like viscerally angry at the movie. Oh. And it's coming up here in a moment. So he's got his favorite shirt, number forty four. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's a Refer- oh, here it is. I fucking hate the Cheddar Goblin. Oh, the Cheddar Goblin. See, a little trivia. Originally, it was supposed to be the Feta Goblin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop. This is so stupid. I mean, like, this is so out of place within this movie. Um, and you're supposed to have this, like, really serious moment. And now you have this, like, vomiting <laughs> this creature that, like, vomits mac and okay, cheese. It is kind of funny. Like, you had this catastrophically awful thing happened and he's so delirious that he's just like entranced by this cheddar goblin commercial mm-hmm. like he doesn't know how to react like he just saw his his partner's ashes you know right but i just think that it's it's i don't know i just found that it just undercuts that scene so much i think yeah, that's I the point where i went from being like not really feeling this movie to you know what now i'm angry at this movie at this point you don't cheddar goblin shirt no i do not want you know and the fact that like twitter collectively lost its mind over cheddar goblin like it was baby yoda yeah they were like this is the greatest thing i'm like oh my fucking god you people are they're the worst they're the absolute they're the absolute worst so i i think that Part of the reason we get things like Donald Trump is because of film Twitter is because we get these people that are like so fed up by the bullshit of those people. They're like, I'm going to vote for this moron because I just don't understand the younger generation with their hot takes on the Cheddar Goblin. I really do think that I know this movie came out in 2018, but I think people knew they just knew that people would would. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this at this point. It's 11 o'clock here. I'm fucking tired. There is another 50 minutes of this movie. <laughs> God, I love this. I'm delirious at this point. Uh, this is this is going to be me. This is going to be me in two weeks. Mm-hmm. If this shit gets any worse as far as like our society, this is me. So the closed captioning right now just says groaning, and I'm like, I'm right there with you, Nick Cage. Right there with you right now. So, oh man, see, this is him cracking. This is him cracking, and he right. never comes back from it. Never right. comes back from it. But he is downing that vodka. And he did this in two takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick Cage doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that asks for a lot of takes. <laughs> so, no, I think we got it. I love it. I love it. The only thing that would have been better right here is if he like actually dropped trial and took a shit without <laughs> having, and you just like it got quiet and you heard a little plop. That's all that would make this better right now. So we now you have Cage going full Cage, but it makes sense within the context of what we've seen. So not going to argue against it right here, but this is like peak Nick Cage being Nick Cage right here. I don't even think he's acting right here. I think he just realized that like he had an adjustable rate mortgage. Yeah, he he just learned from his accountant that he had an adjustable rate mortgage on his twelfth castle, and that the rate went up five points, and he's going to pay an extra fifty thousand dollars a month in mortgage. And Pano said, "Roll film." So yeah. I think that's what happened here. 
<laughs> he had to pay rent on his uh, his uh, Egyptian oh, tomb that he owns. I can't believe how much money Nick Cage has pissed away over his lifetime. That, unfathomable to me how much how you can not only make that much money. That, but that is living, though. That is living. Yeah, it's not living responsibly, but it's living. I guess. I guess and he then, goes like alimony on his Ford. Like, remember, Nick Cage got married to someone he met last week, and then a week later, Nick Cage divorced. I can't remember which which of his wives it was, but he said that one of them like made him sell his comic book collection, and he had like the first the first appearance of Superman. Like he had that might so have been Lisa Marie. That might have been Lisa yeah. Marie Presley. I have a feeling it might have been. I could be wrong, but uh, listeners, if we're wrong, please tweet at us. Let us know. Yeah. So here we have Bill fucking Duke right yes. here, Commando Predator. Oh, Bill yeah. Duke is the man. Looking a lot like Scatman Carruthers in yeah. The Shining right here. Like when I, I'm like, wait a minute, isn't Scatman Carruthers like dead? And I'm like, nope, it's Bill fucking Duke. Speaking of Scatman, like I forget mm-hmm. the actor's name, but whoever played him in Doctor Sleep, goddamn, mm-hmm. it was good. I still need to see Doctor Sleep. I, I would recommend. I would recommend the director's cut. Yeah. Because, see, the theatrical is great, but the director's cut is seriously one of the best films I've ever seen. I've heard that the director's, as good as the theatrical is, the, dir- the director's cut does add a oh, lot more to it overall, even though it's like yeah. close to three hours. Dog whimpering, doggy, I'm right there with you two right now. <laughs> Jesus Freaks, I love that. Shouldn't everybody be hunting Jesus Freaks? And then DC Talks Jesus Freak should start playing. Absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> I just took a swig of weak old ginger ale. That was a bad idea. Now you're high like Red is. Oh, maybe. I, you know, there are a lot of people right now using this downtime to like trying experimenting with mushrooms. Really? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people I know are like doing shrooms for the first time while they're locked down. And I don't know if I'm that kind of person. See, I don't do hard drugs at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, I smoke a lot of pot, but that's just that's 100 percent more like medicinal purposes. Like I have mm-hmm. muscle spasms, but I don't do hard drugs. But when I did like I did shrooms and and LSD back in the day. And man, this is the wrong fucking time to start experimenting. Yeah, like it's bad trips all around if you do that. I think if I didn't have a nine-year-old at home, I'd be more willing to try them once just for the experiment of it. Um, but yeah, right now I don't think that's going to be. That's not going to be me. Well, I, I love people that don't do any kind of drugs. I, I like that they're, you know, even maybe flirting with like the softer mm-hmm. ones. Like I saw uh, my friend Aaron Pruner was talking about. You know, I don't do weed, but I'm thinking mm-hmm. about. Or- edibles mm-hmm. it's like yeah that's that's a speed maybe you know mm-hmm. shrooms and acid probably not yeah i've done edibles out in telluride and it just made me really giggly is is what it makes me do man i just start to giggle and it feels like my head is expanded so i've done that out when i host at telluride a couple times but yeah it's just not for me yeah no nah, totally so if there's anything i think we talked about this I don't know if it was on Twitter or private message, what, but drug culture. Uh, yes. I, I do smoke pot, like, mm-hmm. like I said, but that being said, I try not to talk about it that much because mm-hmm. there's nothing more annoying than the people that's oh. all 
talk about. Like, it drives me yeah. nuts. Yeah, like, that's, like, going to get high again, going to smoke up, I go into the dispenser, going to do so much weed, like, spend my day. Spent yeah. me yep, spent my day doing weed, watching movies, like did you know, like that is the most boring shit in the whole world to me. Like I just find that stuff like really like don't need to hear it. Like it's Yeah. Yeah. Like just do it. Like I don't need to know every fucking moment of your online life, you know? Like yeah. just go ahead and do it. One thing I love about this though is Bill Duke or Richard Brake. Both of those guys have one scene, if I remember correctly, each, mm-hmm. and they make both of them very memorable. Like yeah. Bill Duke, I could watch that guy just read a telephone book. He's mm-hmm. such a good actor. This feels like it would be – honestly, this feels like the, the title sequence for George Cosimato's Cobra. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. With the, yeah. Cold, the clanging of the, the axes and stuff. Where is he right now? I don't know. Just like who has like an axe smelting and like good for him to know like one day shit's going to go down and I'm going to need to smelt an axe. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to need to make uh, basically Skyrim weapons. All that. (laughs) (laughs) All that stuff is at the ready. Uh, I love it. Set really good to go right now. Look at the dude. Cage is so locked in right now. He is. Yeah. He's in the cage zone at this point. Yeah. Living his that's a pretty fucking badass looking sword. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I mean this is definitely you know, this is definitely late seventies, early eighties, like D and D shit going on right here. I feel like this movie is rolling thunder if a Dungeons and Dragons player made it. Mm-hmm. It made that, yep. Hey, the dude I went to high school with is actually now in charge of D and D. Like that's his job. Is he oversees really? the four? Yeah, Mike Merles. Like we were in AP classes together. Like really good dude. And I think I remember because I've never been a big role player. Um, he and his some of his friends had me over one night in high school to play like Arkham Horror. And I completely ruined the game for them because they took it like super serious, like play yeah. at midnight we scare uh, one another. And I was uh, like cosplaying as my history teacher and doing his voice the whole time. Yeah. So I only played once and I had the mm-hmm. same kind of experience. There mm-hmm. were it was people that took it way too seriously and I, I just I didn't fit like they, yeah. they were just to me the entire time. But good for him, dude. I mean, like he's, I guess the fourth and fifth editions have been his, he's overseen them. So he actually sent me a ton. Oh, that's a great shot. This is a pretty, again, like now we're getting into the meat of the movie, but we are an hour and 17 minutes into it when the shit starts to really get crazy. And I think it just took too long for me to loot, to gain, to keep my interest in it by this point. I think I was checked out by now. See, what I wonder is, these scenes show that Panos can really do good action. Uh, mm-hmm. See, that was my problem with Edge, is that Nicholas Petchy, or I don't know how to pronounce his last name, is such mm-hmm. a good tour director, like Eyes of My Mother, Piercing, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, that I feel like he wasn't allowed to get that, give that kind of approach right. to the grudge. And I wonder if Panos was given a bigger movie like that, if they would allow mm-hmm. him to put these kind of visual flourishes and that kind of stuff. I don't think they would. I think that if you give someone... 
millions of dollars at that point. You're not it which to me it doesn't make sense to me. Like if you're hiring someone like Panos, you're hiring him for a very specific yeah. reason. Like he has a lane. Put him in that lane and let him do his thing. Just give him more tools to do it. And let's see. It might not necessarily be a movie for me. Um but you know, like I understand why more people would want to see him be able to kind of expand what he does. Um, did, you know, did you read that Panos funded Beyond the Black Rainbow just from uh, royalties from Tombstone, the DVD? I did not know that. Yeah, because he worked on that film. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was like on the electrical and sound designer, I think, on that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, we paid for that movie. Mm-hmm. Resourceful. Yeah, and that movie gets compared to Carpenter a lot. Um, I didn't quite get that reference. Again, I found that movie a bit of a dirge to get through. Very beautiful to look at once again. But yeah, I think what people and people and they specifically referenced Halloween and how Halloween like really builds on slow tension. But to me, like Carpenter's movies, even when they're a slow burn. They're always moving forward. There's always like there's like a propulsiveness to the movies overall where these, you know, Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow, they're a lot more languid in their pace. They're a lot more willing to kind of just sit with things much, much, much longer than you would get in like, say, a more mainstream movie. Hmm. I, I feel like a lot of the same, this one's compared to a lot of those more visual films uh, mm-hmm. like a, a- Extreme colors or you know mm-hmm. things like that that it's like percent visual but I, I think films like this and and kind of uh, a ghost story those movies that are more i think visual than kind mm-hmm. of plot based you know I, I i like them i like them a lot mm-hmm. and i could see this as something you i would you could throw on in the background um with no dialogue as you're kind of milling about and <laughs> would hold people's attention yeah oh this part man mm-hmm so we're getting into like the act three now. And I think this is what I signed up for. Yeah. You know, the last still came a little too late. I just felt like by this point, it had come way too late for me. And I was checked out at this point. I mean, cause this is again, pretty badass scene right here. Nick cage, you know, going to use that thing. He's handcuffed to hmm? the way he delivers. This reminds me of face off when he's trying mm-hmm. to act like, the John Travolta character in jail, you know, I love it. Is that a mask? Are we supposed to think that's a mask that dude's wearing or is that his face? I don't don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God, he's so good in this. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what they are. You know, I I'm confused and, like I, I don't pretend to to fully get this movie because I don't. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I follow the plot, but I have. <laughs> oh my god! Like I don't get this movie, but I. That's part of the charm for me is I don't need to get it. I just enjoy mm-hmm. watching. You know. We have him crucified down. <laughs> That's just messed up. Yeah. Yeah, these guys definitely aren't subtle. Nope. There is a lot of Christian imagery going on in this movie. I feel like Lee Winnell and Carrie Elwes would be in that room at some point, too. 
So Cage is going straight for the cocaine and LSD. J.J. Abrams walked in the room right now. He's like, hey, what the scene oh needs? J.J. <laughs> Abrams walks into this room fully erect right now. <laughs> when he sees that, full like mass. hard right now. God. Oh, and our listenership just drops. No. <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, we have the it's, it's definitely not done well with the Critters films as the yep. time has gone on, though. We need to, we, we might need to, you know, break out some of the big guns soon, I think. Like, they've just, there's been a drop as you went from Halloween to the Critter series, as one could imagine. So, I think it was Lost Boys. It was. Actually, you, there was definitely a turning point when we did the second Oscars <laughs> movie. And they're like, I am not listening to 90 minutes of this bullshit right now. So yeah. I cannot blame them. Um, oh, I guess you can already buy uh, Onward on digital right now. So there's yeah. that available. But I guess it's going to be on Disney Plus in two weeks. So. Uh, my daughter i I picked her up from school and uh she's like dad do you know about that movie where the sons are looking for their dad's body i was like what the hell are you watching she saw the trailer for onward Mm -hmm. yeah i guess it's a sad well a lot of pixar i mean pixar movie is like crying porn for parents basically you know like the people that just like like itu mama tombi and her babel are their favorite movies you know Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely, like, it's like emotional horror, and I love mm-hmm. it. Okay, so we get some good classic seventies yeah. porn. Whoop! Here we go. I like how he kills this guy, then does his coke. Yes. <laughs> First, I'll take your life, then I'll take your cocaine. And I seriously doubt that that was in the script. No, I, th- I think that's Cage demanding. You better get me the real shit here. (laughs) I don't get out of bed for fake cocaine, guys. Don't do it. That looks a bit like King Kong Bundy. Oh, I remember him. Oh, Lord. Matt. Ugh. Ugh. And again, not bad. You know, like the C right here, not terrible, but it just, yeah. I am definitely slowing up here as we go on, but (laughs) playing for the sweet release of death at some point. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What's caught your funny there? Oh, brilliant. You ripped my shirt. You ripped my shirt. (laughs) I I will say this. I would watch like a make Nick Cage the bad guy in the next John Wick movie. Please. All right, that yeah. is a lot of cocaine. Oh my god, a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Jesus, man, that would kill. That is, that is like that is like one night on the No Effects tour bus right there. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So I was recently watching. Uh, What's the no? It's um the other F word, a punk documentary about like punks and fatherhood, and Fat Mike features prominently in that and he was like yeah i don't play sober ever like i absolutely refuse to play sober and i'm like "Ooh, dude that's okay 
I used to be married to the stepdaughter of the drummer of Me First in the Gimme Gimmies and Lagwagon. Mm-hmm. And so for like my honeymoon, we were at a uh, Me Gimme, Me First in the Gimme Gimme show and Fat Mike was talking about all these drugs that he was going to do and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And then a little bit later, he's like, well, guys, I got to dip out. I, I'm going to go have dinner with Quentin Tarantino and do some coke. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like that dude, he, he never stops. It's like drugs 24-7. Yeah. Oh, Fat Mike. Is no effects canceled? I didn't they have that incident a few years ago in Vegas. Oh, I, they, I like, canceled that band. A I long think it time was ago. like right. I, I, I jokes. I don't really believe in the cancel culture. Um, oh. I think it was like right after the shooting in Vegas, where they were like cracking jokes about it. Um, yeah. I was like, dude, that's in poor taste. But I mean, it's fucking punk rock. What do you will? Then again, okay. it's no effect. Okay, is, it punk rock, is it punk rock living in a $1 million house with a bathroom? Yeah, you know? And then he does all the acid. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Point of no return for him. Uh, and this is, like, decidedly not my jam. But, yep, one little drop of that acid, and we got full-on <laughs> cage at this point. I feel like this is very nice teeth and times 40. Hmm? I think performance wise, this is like the end of wicker man times 40. Oh, I don't think anything will ever talk. Neil the boots, the wicker man in terms of just like, should have talked, been talked out of that one. My wife has yet to see that one, uh, both versions. And I started showing her the original. She's like, man, this is good so far. And so I'm just dreading showing her the remake. <laughs> what do you think is worse, the Wicker Tree or the remake of the Wicker Man? Uh, tree. Easily. Yeah, Wicker Tree is pretty terrible. You know, That's... don't give me Christian horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was not good. Oh, I just heard a gunshot. That was weird. Really? I don't even live in the ghetto. Oh, man. I thought you were out of the ghetto. I am. That's what I'm saying. I don't even live in the ghetto anymore. Jesus, they're following you, man. Yeah. So. Like, visually, I just think Cage looks so cool. What's this mm-hmm. guy doing? What is this guy doing? Pulling an arrow out of his throat. As oh, he, he shot. Yeah. Hmm? See, I would give up if I got shot and then throw it with an arrow, you know? Yeah, I'd be like, I had a good run. You know, I, yeah, I had a good run. My time's done. You know, we got 50 shows in. Pull the arrow out. I don't think you get... See, I they don't have think to be. You get a lot of choices, like if you're shot in the throat with an arrow, whether or not you are gonna be able to, yeah. you know, go on or not. Yeah, this is cool. That's now cool. we have our chainsaw scene. So they have to be supernatural. I mean, you got shot in the throat mm-hmm. with an arrow. You know? Yeah, possibly. See, I was reading an interview, and Pano said that it, kind of the basis of this movie started with like an idea. You know, he'd said this idea of chainsaw fight, you know, and where do you go from there? Like, I think the idea kind of started with a chainsaw fight. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I jumped the gun. Maybe we're not quite there yet, but it's coming. Is it? Right now we have axe fight. Ooh. Damn. Definitely feel like a big Mad Max um, yeah, vibe yeah, totally. For this in terms of the design of these characters overall, like 
you know, I know they're supposed to be demons, but they just they look like they kind of stepped out of Thunderdome. It reminds um, me of Mad Max meets Hellraiser as far mm-hmm. as those guys. Yeah, that's a pretty apt comparison right there. I feel like if 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 Pinhead and the Toe Cutter was one character. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Axe through the neck, I think at that point you're pretty much you're pretty much done. And whoop, there we go. So now we got three down. See, I just want down with the sickness to start start playing right now. No, no. I hate that song. No. There is never a good time. (laughs) No, I'm not serious. So here's my issue with the movie over what it boils down to while we get a little bit of a moment right here. I think what it boils down to is like you're promised a nonstop Nick Cage blood fest, right? But it takes way too long to get to the bits we're seeing right here. So I think I've used this analogy before, listeners, so forgive me if you've heard it. Mm -hmm. But imagine you're going out to a restaurant right now, and on that menu – you're promised the world's greatest chocolate cake. It's a dessert that has like years of history behind it. It's been the Mm -hmm. specialty. People travel to your city from States away to go to this restaurant just to order this cake. It's so good that you would push your grandmother, your beloved grandmother down a flight of stairs (laughs) to get a giant slab of it. But imagine before you can order that cake that this restaurant has this very weird rule where you have to eat their Brussels sprouts. And it's not just – and I don't mind Brussels sprouts, but in general, people don't substitute yeah. the vegetable of choice that you don't like here, whatever that happens to be. And you have to basically eat like – I think they called it in the uh, Great Outdoors the 96er. It was like a 96-ounce piece of steak. You have yeah. to eat the equivalent of the 96er to get this cake. And I'll wrap this up because I know Richard Brake's coming on screen. So you go ahead, you eat all those Brussels sprouts, you order that cake, and they bring you out like a thimble-sized portion of cake. That's how I feel about this movie. I had to sit through eating six pounds of Brussels sprouts to get to – the dessert and the dessert is Nick Cage going full on Nick Cage. Yeah, but that those Brussels sprouts are foreplay, Mike. They're foreplay, and that thimble They're not, is yeah. Oh my lord! Brussels sprouts—they don't go down good. They just don't. They're just—they're bland. There's no flavor to them. I got green go. bits of shit in my teeth. <laughs> oh, the man right here, Richard Brake. So what is this character's deal in this? He's the chemist. He's the one that makes the the LSD. Okay. But he's not necessarily part of their gang. No, he just makes the acid. He just makes the acid. So Cage lets him live because he wants more of that shit later on. Yeah, and he's Richard Brake. He's Richard Brake. You know what's funny is, you know, every every spouse typically has, like, those celebrities or whatever that they're, you know, have crushed. She's on, you know, my wife has two of them and they're not traditional, you know, leading men type. My wife, mm-hmm. her biggest crushes are Mark Duplass and Richard Brake. Oh, jeez, <laughs> I can so, see Duplass, but anytime that we watch a Richard Brake movie, she'll just look over at me and I'll just like shoot her mm-hmm. dagger eyes. Like I'm turning this movie. Yeah. My wife is one of the nicest dudes ever. Oh, really? My wife yeah. is super into Jensen Eccles. Nice. 
Yeah, she makes me wear a Jensen Eccles mask whenever we make love. It's strange. <laughs> a little bit emasculating. God. She makes me, when she climaxes, she shouts out titles of Supernatural episodes. <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. That's why I never let her finish. Right. So, oh, there's a tiger. As you, as, you, as, as you do, there's a tiger. Yeah, yeah. So, just kind of Richard Brake to this day, I think is one of the nicest people I've ever met though yeah. at conventions. I met him last year and he was so mm-hmm. incredibly nice. And then I met Nick Cave later that day in Hollywood. Oh, and I Richard, remember those pictures. Yeah. Richard Brake, yeah. Richard Brake sent me a direct message saying, you're the second person I know this week that saw Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. That's, you know me does, now? Does <laughs> Nick Cave not see that many people? Like, cause he just, you know, does he does he practice like self isolation, isolation, twenty four seven all year round, just in case? He has that darkness coming on. I love Nick Cave. You know who was super nice at a convention? Michael Rooker. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he was yeah, like he was. Um, it was when Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer got like a special edition DVD. So he would go to the booth that was like selling it and like ask the staff there, like, do you need food? Do you need drink? Like, yeah, how's everyone doing? And then like he would just walk around the convention like, is this before The Walking Dead? This is when Slither was coming wow. up. So he was there to promote that, too. And he was like, how's everyone doing? Like high five and everybody and just having the best fucking time. So, yeah, Rooker was pretty awesome. That is awesome. Definitely not Billy Zane. No, Billy Zane. <laughs> okay, so this whole Corona thing has affected so many people I admire. Uh, and Keith Buckley is the vocalist for Every Time I Die, which is my favorite band of all time. Mm-hmm. And his whole, basically, his whole uh, his whole job is, you know, he can't tour. He can't make any money, no source of income other than like a Twitch channel. So he put himself on that cameo site. It's called cameo. I think where you could kind of, uh, book someone to say hi to a friend or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing, you know, I was looking at it cause I was going to, you know, if I get, when I get paid, you know, I was going to shoot something his way, just, I don't know, like something for a friend or something like mm-hmm. just to, you know, kick some money. And I was just like casually browsing other people and like Keith Buckley's like, okay, 30 bucks, I think 25, 30 bucks, he'll do it. Uh, you know, there's other people like 10 bucks, something like that. Billy Zane is on there and he will send a greeting to your friend. $500. Jesus. That's insane. Yeah. Who is, who is doing that? Honestly, who is like spending $500 on a Billy Zane? James greeting? Cameron. James Cameron is. Oh man! See, I love this. Uh, the hero's getting ready to rip shit up, and he can't get through the dirt. Like it's, it's a metaphor for this life, is like, man. <laughs> right? Ready to take on the world, and you can't get out of the parking lot. Oh lord! That to me, this shot looks like a GI Joe action figure. Dude, it doesn't look real to me. Oh, it's great. Being stuck in the parking lot reminds me of this last year. I, I was given the opportunity uh, by Dread Central to go photograph one of my favorite bands, Slipknot Live. So mm-hmm. I got in the, the photographer's, photographer's bit. You get to shoot the first three songs, no flash, whatever. Got tons of photos. It was a dream come true, you know, as a photographer and someone that loves them. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, you have to go put your camera in your car. 
And so this is San Bernardino in the middle of like the, the whole parking lot. There was no lights. So I got lost. I got lost and I finally found my car after the show was over. Oh, wow. First time time I'd ever seen one of my favorite bands too. And I only saw three Mm -hmm. songs. My wife was inside. That sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that guy? There's a little. There he is. Q.E. How did he end up like that? I don't know. Did we miss that? I just missed something here where he's like one minute was in a rock pit quarry and the next minute he's in some sort of lush garden. Story. And I I wasn't paying attention. Did he crash? Just kind of as you do, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're coming down off of a lot of coke and acid. Mm-hmm. The come downs are going to come eventually. See, that just great. Mm-hmm. Most Colts are in, like, Nebraska or something like that. These guys are in the middle of the Grand Canyon, basically. Yeah. Like, this feels like where Rambo would go in Rambo 3 to, you know, get rid of people. <laughs> oh, so... Here we are. This movie, what it reminds me of, not just because it takes place in 83, but just Mm -hmm. the aesthetic of it. It reminds me of a movie that I would see an advertisement for in newspapers. And you know what I'm talking about? They had the show times and everything. Mm -hmm. And I recently picked up a book. It's uh, Ad Nauseam by Michael Gingold that used to write for Fangoria. And it's his collection of newsprint advertisements for like horror films and stuff. And this movie reminds me of a movie that that this would have been in there had mm-hmm. it been in that. Yeah, it has that vibe to it. It definitely has that kind of. You would see this kind of movie on HBO, like two o'clock in the morning every other day for like six months back in the early eighties. But have you noticed uh, that every bad guy that he kills, they're just assholes that like talking shit about how much mm-hmm. she burned, like yes. right before. Like, yeah, they're just committing to being dicks. They're committing right up to the very end. They're committing to being complete assholes. So, any movie that has something, I'm into it. I like his shocked face right there. Like, what did he think was going to happen when you shove the business end of an axe down your throat? Like, yeah, that shit's going to (laughs) hurt. So shit's real. And then we have the one cult member that survives for some reason. Like he doesn't see her like he does the rest of them and lets them go. Lets her go. He's on a specific How mission. do you feel about that? How do you feel about her being... Honestly, as all-encompassing as as revenge and anger can be towards people, I think there are moments of clarity when you know certain people weren't behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. But she did Not nothing. Like she was, I mean, she, but she held Mandy's, you know, you know, neck when held up her jaw so she could get the um, acid in the eyeball. So, you know, she wasn't blameless. Yeah, Dr. Death over here, this guy. Yeah. This guy reminds me of, yeah, the Dr. Death character. <laughs> you know? Oh, the action. That was good right there. Yeah. This is good. So this is definitely like the stunt double for Hans Zimmer's 
bodyguard and diehard right here, right? Of this guy, that's definitely what this guy's calling would have been. The dude that uh, uh, the call from Family Matters shoots yes. at the end of Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I've always this always reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Two at the end of Dennis Hopper and Leatherface. Yeah, the two of them kind of like uh, chainsaw sword fighting. Yeah, what is that line when Dennis Hopper comes in? Like, I'm the Lord of the Harvest, and like yeah. the cooks. What is that? The new health food group. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that Dennis Hopper was not that Dennis Hopper just wandered on set one day and they just decided the role film. Like yeah. I think Hopper was not acting. Hopper was being yeah. Dennis Hopper, Texas Chainsaw too. Yeah. I think at some point someone on Twitter posited like, well, would Dennis Hopper ever be in a Marvel movie? If he were alive today, it's like, dude was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Hopper would have definitely cashed that Marvel money. Don't, don't. He was, he was Koopa. I mean, you know. Yeah, don't don't fool yourself that any of these fucking people are auteurs. I mean, Robert fucking De Niro. Robert yeah. De Niro was in Rocky and Bullwinkle. All right, so don't. My, don't favorite cameo, my favorite cameo in any Marvel movie was Harry Dean Stanton. I can't remember oh. which one. But I it was, was like the first Avengers movie. Yep. Yeah. Shares a scene with the Hulk. Absolutely. Yeah. Little, little, little nod there with Harry Dean Stanton. So these people love money and love attention, folks. There's nothing they'll turn down. I mean, Warner Herzog is in Star Wars now. So come on. Come on. Hmm. Brilliant in it, by the way. And. Absolutely, like I think the most heartwarming thing I've read all year is Warner Herzog falling in love with Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My son Dexter, he's ten, and that's like his current favorite show. And he's super. It's brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's super into Herzog's character, which is funny because I never thought in my wildest dreams <laughs> Warner Herzog fan. Mm-hmm. He looks like he should be a pro bowler. He looks like he would be the bouncer in Roadhouse. Mm, if, you mean Patrick Swayze? He does not look like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Dalton, like one of the like rednecky ones that he fires. Okay, I would say that man is as far away from the Swayze as you can possibly get. No, he he's he's not he's not crazy like Swayze. That's a shitty way to go. Oh, man, that is a great way to go. That was like straight out of a hatchet movie. Yeah. I mean, there is some fantastic gore in the last yeah. 20 or so minutes of this movie. So we are coming up near the end. Oh, my goodness. We have 15 minutes left minus credits. So we are definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not sticking around for the credits. <laughs> I will say I'm enjoying talking about this movie more than I am. See, what's funny is I was so scared. Even Mm -hmm. like before I came up here and set up, I was telling my wife, you know, I was getting everyone situated. I was telling like, man, I'm scared. She's like, why? And he goes, because Mike hates this movie. Like, is is he just going to like, like, I wonder if he's just going to hate this experience. Like, but this is so much fun. This is what we do. So trying to be respectful. Right here. It's also near midnight here, and I am fading like a motherfucker right now. So, 
You need that LSD and cocaine. Oh my god! I need someone needs to bring me something to snort. I don't care what it is. At this point, I need something. <laughs> oh, it is bad. So before we get to it, before we get to the client, one more Jeff Jarrett story here. So right. Jeff Jarrett eventually went to the WCW where he won the WCW World Heavyweight title four times between 2000 and the company's 2001 demise. He it was one notorious angle was he basically was wrestling Hulk Hogan at a pay-per-view. The bell rang. Jarrett just lay on his back and Hogan covered him and took the belt. And at that point, um, at the time, the WCW head booker, Vince Russo, notorious asshole, came out and basically got on the mic and did a worked shoot promo where he basically called out the Hulkster for being a selfish egomaniac, over-the-hill prick, holding everyone down, all of which is true, by the way. Um, But it was like considered like one more nail in the coffin of like of of WCW overall, Jarrett would get himself over by saying things like slap nuts and breaking guitars over people's heads. You can he would have shirts made with slap nuts on it. It's just ridiculous. When WCW folded, McMahon, who remembered being held up for three hundred grand, basically said, "There's no fucking chance I'm hiring." Jarrett back into the fold. So Jarrett went on to found TNA wrestling, um, who would do things like six sided rings. And the other thing I would say Jarrett's known for would be stealing Kurt Angle's wife from him. Um, and going on to like take Karen Angle is now Karen Jarrett, basically in 2018, double J Jeff Jarrett was inducted into the WWE hall of fame. And I think he might work behind the scenes for them now, but I always thought he was a piece of crap. What's that? It sounds like McMahon gets, it's gotten soft. I mean, he's kind of buried the hatchet with a lot of people in the last few years. He's he's old. He's so old and out of touch at this point. Basically eventually bury it with warrior. I think anyone who comes back and kisses the ring, Gets, you know, in Vince's mind, he's like, I won. You came back. I won. Um, So, yeah, Warrior came back. He did his Hall of Fame speech, which did not include the phrase, queering doesn't make the world go round. The Ultimate Warrior is a complete piece of shit as a human being. And then he died two days later. Like, he did this weird speech on Raw about, like, the Warrior's final breath. And then that night had a heart attack and died. Um, he went, and he is not missed unknown. by me. Hmm? I said hmm? he went into parts unknown. He went into parts unknown at that point. You are right. But yeah, it was bizarre. Like gave this long rambling speech like, oh, here we go. Speaking of long rambling speeches, we have Jeremiah back on screen. There's nothing wrong about this. <laughs> fucking a wall, basically. He is fucking a wall right now. Jeez, well, God is in that room, you know? Yeah. Like, what room is this? Like, what purpose does this room serve? Seems like the season finale of True Detective. Mm -hmm. This is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another severed head. Man. The lighting. Yeah. He kind of looks like the drummer of Zombies Mm -hmm. Band right now. Mm-hmm. 
And I do like the way this is shot right here. I think this actually works um, with it, the lighting going in and out like that. I do appreciate how that works. God, man, give Panos a Texas Chainsaw movie already. I don't know, man. I think that is just one of those franchises that, A, I think it would be, it would be, yeah, I don't think I could do a Texas Chainsaw with Panos. I mean, you gave it to the guys from inside that made the goriest, bloodiest, most fucked up horror movie. A movie that was so fucked up, like we had our condo in, in the town we used to live in. We owned a condo that was on like the second floor. I made and you had to go through like four different doors to get in. I made it a point to lock every fucking door in that yeah. house because that movie fucked me up so bad. And they couldn't really I know you said like you thought Leatherface is pretty good. Like I didn't think they could make that really work overall. So you know, it's interesting, I think, and I, I won't name names, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's not my place, but a friend of mine went into pitch on the new one, mm-hmm. and they were meeting with a lot of really great, like, indie-level people, like, mm-hmm. people that you're like, wow, that's interesting. So I think that their heart's in the right place with the upcoming one, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, fingers crossed, but I don't know. I don't know. I think it's time for some new icons. I think that, yeah, like, I agree. just like the Universal Monsters had their day... Then you had your like Freddie and Jason and Michael. You know, now we need to maybe work on creating I you know, like the school I work at, like the eighth grade kids have no idea who Jason Voorhees is. Oh Lord. I mean service. Yeah. That's weird. So here we go. Yeah, here we go. I've never wanted a villain to just get his head crushed as much as mm-hmm. this kid. He's like, I'll suck your dick, you know, which is like, I don't think Nick Cage was asking for that, you know? Like, why would you lead with that, you know? Like, like no, I don't think he's, he's leading. Did you ever read the comic book Batman the Cult? No, no, it was pretty good. That's what we're, it is really good. It was um, a, a cult leader who looks very much like Jeremiah and this, like, takes over Gotham. Batman, I think, is, like, drugged and falls under the guys of the cult for a bit and then at the end of the three-part thing like he basically like beats the shit out of them in front oh, wow. of all the members they disperse it kind of reminds like the end of this reminded me of batman the cult yeah this is a pretty fitting end to a pretty shitty villain so yeah all bombast and bravado up to the very end so but I do like the way this this you know like this last bit here is shot. So, so I'm good. your god now. Like that reminds me a little bit of a Nightmare on Elm Street. Like this is yeah. God. So I quote that to my four year old all the time, and he laughs. Very every good. Time. Very good. A <laughs> little bit of little bit of Friday the Thirteenth Part Three yes. homage there yes. with the eyeball popping out poorly. Yes. Um, what are we covering Elm Street? Dude, uh, any day. Any right. day. I so we there. might look at that after Aliens at this point. Yeah. Um, I think that out of all the big franchises, you know, the Friday, the Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Elm Street is the most cons- – they have the highest ratio of great films overall. Really? That's interesting. I'm yeah. excited to talk about those. 
Yeah, because I think you're not a big fan of those overall. Compared See, to I, when growing up, I was just as big of a fan of those as I was Halloween and, and Friday the 13th. Yeah. I think it's just within the last few years that they yeah. just don't do as much for me. Yeah, I mean, you've told me that Wes Craven is a hack and privately. Uh, uh, I, I love, love Wes Craven. And Robert England can't carry uh, Jackie or Haley's jockstrap as far as portraying <laughs> Freddy goes. Lord, listeners, please don't kill me. I did not say that. So, yeah, you're like, Wes Craven, more like Wes Loser, I think was your quote, I think, in a DM. So, more like I'm crazy, better movie. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Oh. So, what I love oh. about, um, actually, I'm like one of the people that doesn't like New Nightmare was like oh, how he oh. openly shits on oh. every other Elm Street movie that wasn't yes. his. It's yep. just a total dick move. Like, I love it. Love it. Um, so now you we know, have the end of Midsummer yeah. without the birthday suit. Yeah. The I've always said if you take the drugs out of uh, Manti, you still have a five-minute movie. <laughs> you have a great <laughs> short movie. You beat me to it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, the, oh, the imagery, man. Love it so much. Look at that. I want that on a poster. We could probably screenshot it. Now we're walking backwards. There's actually a very good Mondo poster that looks exactly like that for Lords of Chaos that I own. It's in my room right now. Yeah, exactly like that. How does one get their hands on Mondo stuff? I I love Mondo's work. They announce a poster and they say it's going to be on sale tomorrow at a random time. And basically Mm -hmm. you have to wait by your computer and refresh until it's available and then you you buy it and you have to buy it immediately like i've lost things out like they sold out in two minutes as yeah. when they're online it's taken I, so many times i hate that model i wish they would just do like it's going to be available for two days we'll they, they've many some of them. yeah I, I got a dark knight rises poster from them there was a mm-hmm. time release which that's that's cool yeah so now we have a green filter yeah to blue blue it's like an adam lamp video so is this him like thinking back to the first time he's seen her i'm guessing that's what that says probably why he put the shirt on see it oh god fuck the notebook he looks so sad sad nick cage that's he was before mandy came in the picture which is why this was important to him Mm -hmm. that's his i love suspiria shot yeah Another <laughs> yeah, movie I've never been able to get through. See, I was nervous about that because I showed my wife uh, the remake of Suspiria first, and she loved it. And I was like, "Are you ready to watch the original?" Yeah, mm-hmm. nothing like that one. And she loved both of them. But yeah, yeah I like. I, like I love the remake. I thought the remake was brilliant. That's good. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that one. So, I've had, I'm sure we'll cover both of those at one point. Maybe we'll do like a mega remake versus original episode and just cover them in one shot. So this is like a f- <laughs> fucked up shot. Like what is going on here? He, his brain is fried, dude. Yeah. Sorry, I think that car's moving. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Like there is no coming back from this, this yeah, night, well, basically he, like that. Right there. <laughs> that is the kind that's... of look that I give up. If you put a big plate in a bin now, he's just like, yep. Oh drive it alone and that's what's sad about it. i thought for some reason like she'd actually come back somehow some way through the power of coke and lsd she had come back but nope there is no coming back from this night 
No. I wonder if he's going to shack up with Bill Duke. Oh, I hope so. That'd be a good buddy cop movie. So, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed our fan commentary on Mandy. I think I was fair, a tough but fair in this movie overall. We hope we've we've learned a little bit, you've laughed a little bit, you've loved a little bit. So, perfect. What are your final thoughts, Jerry? God, I fucking love movies. <laughs> Honestly, I love this movie so much, and watching this movie, it just reminded me why I love it. There's, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I think you had some very good and valid points, and I, I honestly, this was so much more positive than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we always try to approach these things to replace the positivity. I mean, it's no Bangkok dangerous in terms of Nick Cage performances. It's no no, no the ghost, but... Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I think, more enjoyable to sit here and talk about the movie than sit alone. And I think when this goes up, maybe we'll pick a night and we will um, maybe do a tweet along. Maybe people can listen to our commentary and we'll do a little tweet along uh, and people can tell me how wrong I am about this. But until then, listeners, thanks so much. Um, Hopefully everyone is, you know, staying safe, staying indoors. Uh, washing their hands and doing their best. I know it's a crazy fucking time right now, but uh, we want to bring you guys a lot more content during this to hopefully get you through it. So on behalf of Jerry, everyone have a great night. All right. All right, man. I am going to bed. Yes, I'm yes. So That's fine. Actually, who am I kidding? I'm going to play Bioshock in the basement. Right. <laughs> <laughs>